0: Welcome to 372 pages. We'll never get back. Emphasis on the three. For some reason, I'm Connor Listoka. This is the podcast where we listen to us talk about bad books that we have read. Me and Mike. That's a you know that's a convoluted way of of saying something that we've said what 137 times now. Uh, yes. The, the introduction to this podcast. You get you know the deal. If again, if you're just listening for the first time. Um, You've you got a lot to catch up on. <laughs>
1: and you'll quickly understand what's going on. But yeah, your strange emphasis reminded me of, we're, we're just doing a movie right now, where I had to rewind a couple times because a weird old guy is just saying the word sourpuss. Yeah. Right? Just, how would you say that? It's just, that's pretty standard pronunciation. Uh, come on, don't be a Sourpuss. This guy is, we only have this, the only thing we have to worry about is sour puss. <laughs> what is he saying? Sour what? Weird emphasis. Anyway.
0: Yes. And that is the name of a restaurant in this, uh, in this world. They, come on down to the sour puss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we have quite a, uh, quite a book.
0: We're in the, well, we're nearing the end. Three quarters of the way through Edison's Conquest of Mars by Garrett P. Service. A serial printed in, I think, a Boston newspaper, possibly others, in 1898. Uh, so the second oldest book we've ever covered on this here podcast.
1: Do you think we'll ever get older than that?
0: Oh man, do they were there even books before this? I, 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 I tapped out. I. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I think uh, you know we could read Gutenberg's Bible, I guess, and that's about it. Uh, that's it a yuck a fest service. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I, know, I had to read books. I, I'm sure I've talked about it earlier than this in uh, in the my least favorite class I ever took in college. That was like you had to take one one class for each century, and just as as the dial got twisted back, whatever they were writing in the 1700s, it was just like, oh my god, this is death. <laughs> 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 I don't know, like. Uh, it just hives thinking about that that three months of my life I spent reading Pamela.
1: Every now and then I get the urge to like, I have to read this book that everyone says I should read before I die. And it's, you know, in, invariably it's from the 12th or 13th century or something. <laughs> it's, have to, it's translated from, you know, before the great vowel shift and everything. And you... You dive in with enthusiasm, and then like a page in, you're like, nope, life's too short.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, that was the thing about that class. They were like, read this book, and they're like, and uh, you know, we'll deal with it next week. Like this book is what are we even reading? Like fifteen thousand words at a time.
1: Every <laughs> read two the weeks. entire book for they, to- they
0: would yeah they would be like read this dense tome in you know a week and a half, and I'm like, I, I don't. You don't understand. I've, I have a whole bunch of family guys I downloaded off of Kazaa that I've got to watch. Like, how do you expect this to happen? There's only so many hours in the day. Wow.
1: Yeah, there's a little window.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so this is a book that was uh, published serially, and it's about uh, a bunch of uh, men Go, that is an important detail, as this uh, episode reveals, men going mm-hmm. into, into space to get revenge on Martians for their role in H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds, where they came down. Someone pointed out that they really only annihilated, like, two cities when they came, before they caught a virus and, and were destroyed. But, oh,
1: in the actual book, it seems this book seems to make it like every city, was yeah, it's just destroyed, a smoldering
0: ruin. Someone pointed that out. No idea if it's true, but um, people usually like correcting us on that type of thing. So I sure, we're, we, and we often are wrong. So and uh, but they, by this point in time, they've gone into space. They've come back to Earth again to uh, you know for some brief refueling. They've gone to the Moon. They've discovered Moon jewels. They've landed on a planet made of solid gold and hucked some of that gold back at the Earth. And uh, they've uh, captured a Martian prisoner, and they were uh, trying to learn his language at the, at the time that we uh, left off last time. Yes,
1: now becomes a language book. Just, uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah if, you were, it, if you were complaining that there was, it was short on specific linguists... Um, that is uh, rectified quickly, and we got some we got a, a lengthy email about one of the about one of the lingual claims in this book, so if we have time, we can dive into that i 'm not sure if we will because lengthy emphasis on <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so up until this point, yeah you, i think you 've pretty much summed it up we 're zooming around mars we 're in the middle of a battle with the martians that 's pretty much where we are
0: and the, and the book is narrated by. Garrett P. Service himself, who makes himself out to be sort of Edison's, you know, best friend, right-hand man, like, you know, confidant, like guy who comes up with ideas, and then Edison says, great call, Garrett P. Service, we shall do that.
1: (laughs) It's, yes, it's uh, uh, Holmes and Watson, if uh, Watson were, you know, the hero.
0: Yes, yeah, right. I'm sure that movie's coming through Watson's eyes. Uh, Garrett P. Service has a few ticks I think that we'll explore in this thing and one of them is on display very uh, early on here and these are sort of uh, a couple of them started to strike me as extremely Ernest Kleinian which is never something you want to say but it it, it happens a lot and one of the ones is this being unable to describe something to us Mm -hmm. the reader that you should very much be able to as the person telling the story he says that uh, in regard to people trying to learn the martian's language i cannot undertake to say precisely how much of the martian language had been acquired by the chief linguists of the expedition but you know he could ask them he could he could, he could sort of like you know they probably have some sort of you know sit down uh, meeting on these to under to describe how this learning is going and he could probably pass that along to the reader uh, upon inquiring
1: I was a little confused by that because it sounds like they were pretty much there, is what I t- took from it. But I, I guess it's a glass half full, glass empty thing. Uh, but just looking ahead a few paragraphs, or looking back a few paragraphs, the, the Martian, so they're walking around learning his language, and as you recall, the Martian said,
2: Rrr! Yes. <laughs> so they're
1: walk all these distinguished men <laughs> with their mustaches and their pince-nez and everything are going... Uh, <laughs> and they're almost there. It's twenty-three days. There, we've pretty much got it all down.
0: Yeah, and the Martian is just giggling because that's like his word for ass or something. You know, <laughs> he's getting them to, to growl out poo or something. <laughs> <laughs> and but they, they, they're very trusting of this Martian. It says the uh, the Martian. There's no longer any doubt he would be able to give us much information when we landed on his native planet. So their their idea is pretty much that, you know, they, they think he's a traitor. They think he was stealing from, like, the, the gold Martian Fort Knox, essentially. But mm-hmm. they are very uh, trusting that once they get there, he's going to be like, oh, there you go, there's the president, go shoot him, as opposed to being like, you know, hey, Martians, oh. Rrr. Like, their their weakness is this, blast him with the, uh, you know, the sun ray or whatever.
1: And you'll recall what they say, say about the Martians is that, You know, look upon their countenance is to, like, look into the eyes of Satan himself. (laughs) Pure evil and malevolence beyond anything we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But this guy, he started to make, like, uh, goofy faces kind of like three days in. Like, (laughs) ah, you guys
0: are all right. (laughs) 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 Just instilling great trust is is my main takeaway when you look at the picture of that Martian. Yes. (laughs) Trustworthy face. (laughs) Uh, and so they, they finally, like, it's been, yeah, like you said, 27 days, I think, since they left the gold planet and they're they're approaching Mars. And he says that uh, it was close at hand and the naked eye view of the planet was more wonderful than anything we had been able to see with telescopes when at a greater distance. Moving on. <laughs> there's there's nothing that gives you a sense of what that wonder is or, or why you would say that. But then uh P. Service quickly shifts into um, Wikipedia mode. Oh yes. And up upon describing Mars but also the the uh mode that we've discussed before where uh, an alarming amount of things on this wondrous journey into space and to gold planets and to moons. Uh, he sees things that are just very reminiscent of things that he saw on earth.
1: <laughs> I, he, uh, I felt like he was dissing earth clouds cause he went to, to great length to describe how beautiful and iridescent Martian clouds were. <laughs> and I always find it strange in these, these Garrett P service, uh, asides like, you you are in the middle of a mission to save Earth. Mm-hmm. Could you stop like pulling out the pipe and uh, standing on the
0: deck and going, "Ah,
1: what a lovely Martian night! Look <laughs> at those iridescent clouds." Get 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 the mission accomplishment. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's you know it's essentially. You know, D Day times a hundred is what they're doing, because the whole fate of literally the Earth depends on it. And they, uh, you know, they've got time to like leap up and down and defy gravity. <laughs> they're having a yes. they're having a great time amidst the body count was I think at like sixty seven when we left off last time, and it soars, soars.
1: baby. Oh my gosh, yeah, this is incredible.
0: <laughs> but just some of the some of the Gary P. service talk, he sort of just he and he, he never explained why he was along for this journey, did he? Other than just being Edison's trusted guy. Yeah, he
1: didn't say up front, like, obviously I went, me being, you know, the foremost. He just was there right. from the very beginning.
0: And he, you know, but he didn't say, having having spent my life studying Mars and obtaining all these facts. Because he now just says, like, you know, to the south, between Hellas and the border of polar ice was a belt of great darkness that astronomers had always been inclined to regard as sea. Looking towards the north, we could perceive the red expanses at the continents of Mars with the long curved line of the Sirtis Major, or the Hourglass Sea, sweeping through the midst of them. So he just, you know, he he rattles these things off as if you're, you know, taking a a tour of an art museum with someone who studied art history in college.
1: Yeah, I was just recounting the other day, and I think I brought it up on this podcast before, the reading uh, Tolkien, where he'll go into... You know, we stood at the top of a of a hill, looking down into a copse. Off to the right, the hill sloped off at a, you know, before becoming steeper and going into trees that were more arborous. And you're like, I just say stuff was green before. I'll I'll fill it in. It's just like maddening. Yeah. And this is what he does. Like to the north. Okay, I'm. What direction am I facing? (laughs)
0: uh,
1: I'll I'll picture this. Hang on. Give me a second. It's it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, and with a lot of you know Latin phrases describing these things that are all just astronomy talk but i guess that's how he was uh he was, that was probably how he was establishing his cred to these readers of this uh idiotic story yes <laughs> um but yeah you're talking about the clouds he said that the uh the uh floating higher above the surface of the planet were clouds of vapor assuming the familiar forms of stratus and cumulus with which we were acquainted upon the earth like Make up a new type of cloud. You're on a whole different planet. Like, there were nothing like the, the, the things we saw on Earth. It's just a much more intriguing thing. They were green. You can use whatever imagination you want.
1: Yes, these Martians, very much like men, they're, but they were bigger. So, <laughs> yes. so we know you got it in you, man. The Martians are bigger, so that's a start.
0: Or when he describes the, uh, the teeming inhabitants of the Earth as being like a gigantic anthill. <laughs> like oh, yes. Poetry. Uh so they they fly around the
1: surface of Mars, right? Mhm. Oh, and they yeah. see all these like just tons of like battlements. Like metal battlements, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Just fortresses everywhere. <laughs> and uh they they don't seem to be alarmed by that.
0: Uh, yeah, it says the planet of war appeared to be protect, prepared for the attacks of enemies. But then they say that like the prisoner is like being great assistance and taking a certain pride in exhibiting to strangers from a distant world the beauties and wonders of his own planet. So it is it's just sort of like a hometown tour.
1: Yeah, he becomes the tour guide. I wonder if he's got a little patter with it. Like
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh,
1: the guy in back. He's he's going. I don't get anything he's saying. That's all right, sir. We'll <laughs> we'll explain it slower later. Anyway, off to the left, you'll see. <laughs>
0: And over here, you'll see that we've got a Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> Who doesn't have a Hard Rock Cafe these days? I mean,
1: <laughs> hey, look a Starbucks! Hey, look a Starbucks! Do it with me, everyone!
0: Hey, look, he's got oh, one I'm of a, those uh, those big sticks with a flag on top that you hold up like when you're... <laughs> yes, we're following, we're following. And what he also does is they, he says stuff like, you know, he confirmed our opinions that certain of the works we saw beneath us were fortifications. So these guys on this trip and mainly service always have these first instincts that turn out to always be correct. You know, be like, that looks like it might be, uh, you know, a, a canal lock. And it's like, it turned out it was. <laughs>
1: yes. So, but that, how that's going, that's going something like this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. We what nailed he, that one. What
0: did he say? Yeah. Uh, but it, it says that uh, it, it would not be now long before we could ascertain by the irrevocable test of actual experience whether the Martians possessed the power to annihilate us or not. So that's a big, kind of a big shoe they're waiting to drop, or not?
1: Uh, oh, and then they say. Oh, wait, he gives the body count right after that, right? Oh, yeah. We were here to make war on this new world, deducting our losses we had not more than 940 men left.
0: Okay, so that's, yeah, that's about correct. So what do you say it was I 1, said 1, 67, yeah, he okay, came up with right. 1,000. <laughs> but oh, again, right. that's about to drop rapidly. I like this sentence, too, because I think it was said unironically, but it sort of sums up a lot. It says, this was a whole new world that we had discovered— and it was filled as we could see with inhabitants. <laughs> so that's sort of been the attitude, I guess uh for a long time. like let's right. go discover this place that lots of people live in
1: and then he talks about um th- there's a lot of the the bragging about the ship thing, which you know we've that's come before, but it again, it was evident that this maneuver would save us from danger if it were quickly affected, because the airships of the Martians were simply airships, and nothing more. yeah. They could only float in the atmosphere and had no means of rising above it or of navigating empty space. They came to Earth and kicked our ever-loving asses. What are you talking about?
0: Yes, the guys, the guys who, who kick the shit out of you have vast technological limitations whenever that appears convenient to you.
1: But then you, you dis on it. And he says you kind of have to shoot them like guns or something? Yeah. The ships? Which I... I I don't think so. It doesn't seem right, but shoot,
0: what like guns?
1: The ships. He says they have to be, be like sort of propelled out of like cannons oh. or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, that's that's why they're un like so a, a ship has seen them and then it's like summoned like twenty more ships to do it, but they're sort of like oh like look at them, that's cute because for whatever reason they're unable to to get to us. So yeah, I guess you're right if they if they shoot them out and then they rely on gravity to propel them yes. the rest of the way because that's what yes. he said on the gold planet. It's like. When the Martians were landing, they couldn't do it any faster. They were just relying on the on the pull to get them there, and that's why they right. were able to prepare their knobs to blast them. Right. Yep. <laughs> but then, you know, mere sentences later it says, The more we saw of the power of the Martians, the more we became convinced that there would be no hope for the Earth if these enemies ever again affected a landing upon its surface um you you can cough on them that's been established <laughs> like, and you probably should have utilized that uh you know bioweapon on this journey as well
1: and indeed yeah they seem incredibly weak to your uh, they would be very if they should all be wearing masks of course <laughs> double masks, <laughs> right um i was disappointed i have to say it becomes at a certain point it kind of becomes clinical like, we meet the big ships. We fly up to a distance where the ships can't reach us. And no, like, dialogue within the ships. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted so much more of that. Because every now and then Edison will stop and go, I have deduced that what <laughs> we need to do now but it's like there's all these guys in there. What what is happening in the ship, you know?
0: Yeah, the dial- but, dialogue is very rare, but when it comes it's pretty delightful cuz then it, it it starts being just attributed to random guys. Oh yeah, that's or delightful. You get like western old-timey guys, but also, you know, yeah, the, the dignified Edison old-timey guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh but they poke the hornet's nest and they uh uh they're overwhelmed immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Aston answered, sir, on the whole, huh, I wonder if this warlike planet, has, which is teeming with inhabitants, has any uh, ability to wage war against us. Let, let's let's poke it and
0: find it, out. It does sound like a Norm Macdonald line. Uh, yeah. But also, it's like, you named this planet. You don't know what they call it. They could be like peace land is what we refer to our <laughs> land as. <Yes. laughs> you named it after a, a, a Roman god from 2,000 years ago. But they also come to the uh, to the conclusion. They're like, um, you know, with, with Mister Edison away from from home, like they they would Earth would not be able to build any more of the disintegrators. Our planet had staked everything on a single throw. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of on you. Like the idea of the uh, the designated survivor. That's uh, there's a sort of a reason that exists. The chain of command there.
1: Uh, yeah, that wasn't that probably wasn't smart. Eggs in one basket, and all of that.
0: Especially when they gathered, you know, every leader on Earth too to uh, to dance on that dance floor. They had leveled an entire forest to construct in the uh, early chapters.
1: It's like the uh, that battle of uh, was it the first battle of? Oh, people are going to yell at me if I get this wrong. Carthage.
0: <laughs> oh man, they're sharpening their knives already. Oh god, Carthage heads.
1: Uh, no, where they were they they waged the battle. And uh, they sent all of their, like, it became a, a cry, like, you know, spend all your money and give us your best, your your strongest son, the one you love the most, because it's, what a glorious victory. Wow. And then they were wiped out <laughs> to the man. Like, but guys from the Senate and everything going, and like, I'll go. And people go, yay, we got another one. <laughs> all just, like, slaughtered oh, in a field wow. of blood. God. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have put all of our eggs in one basket.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what he how he ends this chapter, essentially saying that. But then they uh, they 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 decide to flee, I guess, uh, towards the west. They begin uh, their first circumnavigation. Let's say.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, we get full Wikipedia in chapter ten.
0: Yeah, boy. Yeah.
1: No, Noachia. How are you pronouncing that? I didn't look them up.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't look any of these up, and I but I assumed they they were correct. Yeah, you know, you, no, the oval shaped land of Noachia, the dark ocean, the Mar Eritreum, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> it says this. He, uh, he, he, he see if this reminds you of any other characters from an early book we did. It's a uh, there was a, a great continental land at least 3,000 miles broad from east to west, which I immediately recognized as that which to which astronomers had given the various names of Aria, Edom, Arabia, and Eden. It's pretty uh, Wade Wattsian, you know, being yes. like, I am, I'd immediately recognized this as the Temple of Syrinx from uh, Rush's classic <laughs> yeah. 1980s album, uh, 2112, which came out in 1977. I had listened to it no less than 400 times. Right. He immediately recognizes it and knows all four names that astronomers have various given to it. I wonder if
1: uh, Garrett P. Service, uh, did he s- sleep on top of the washer dryer? Isn't that what Wade Yes, I, I,
0: I think he was yeah, in Edison's laundry room is where he took up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but then you get some of the dialogue you were lamenting it didn't have before. It says the spectacle became of breathless interest. Wonderful, wonderful, says one guy. And then who could have believed it? So they got over the fear that they had you know left earth to, to perish pretty quickly. here. Now that they've just come and seen like the desert of Edom.
1: Oh, but that, here's another case where he closes it down too quickly for my taste. Because he said, you know, wonderful, wonderful. Who could have believed it? Such were the exclamations heard on all sides.
0: Like, give me, I want more of those exclamations. <laughs> yeah. What else
1: were they exclaiming?
0: <laughs> tip, tip. Yeah. Do you remember what was it uh I think there was a thing we did It was the um the the Santa with stinky the skunk and the wolf, oh yeah, where there's yeah. like they're they're like stinky the skunk is doing a a play or something, and they just they have d- these kids' voices dubbed in and there's oh, yeah. an obvious middle aged woman that just sounds like she's weeping, just be like
2: wonderful, wonderful, wonderful <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how I choose to interpret that one. Uh, uh. There, there comes another dialogue here I think this was good too it's, uh, There's a, a system of like Irrigation canals or something It was far more mm-hmm. marvelous in its completeness Than the boldest speculative minds Among our astronomers had ever dared to imagine Ha! That's what I always said Exclaimed a veteran from one of our great observatories Mars is red Because its soil and vegetation are red So that is a, uh, that's a guy That's one of their finest sciences Who's always been saying that that's and
1: weird. they, at once, they heave a sigh. They're like, oh,
0: God damn it, Dan.
1: Yes, yes. Was I, was I right? Poking one guy in the ribs. Like, you touch me again, Dan. I'm going to snap that little rat claw off your finger. Mars okay, is, I'm just pointing out that I was right.
0: Mars is red because it's red. That's my theory. Always saying that. Don't get invited to a lot of places with the other scientists.
1: And then uh, a couple more exclamations, which are unattributed. What trees? And what grass? And what flowers?
0: Okay. (laughs) It's like goodnight moon all of a sudden.
1: What mush? (laughs) And then uh, the best attribution I've ever read in a book uh, from someone. They quote someone. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you have it there?
0: That's all right, exclaimed the enthusiast I have just quoted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, who's this? Uh, it we, we, So it's it could be wonderful, wonderful guy. Who could okay. have believed it guy? Or that's what I always said. Mars is red because its soil and vegetation are red. I mean, what trees, what grass, and what flowers are sort of, I think, service is inter-dialogue. Inner the uh enthusiast he just quoted though
1: <laughs>
0: maybe it is the the veteran from one of the observatories that guy again ah, uh, possibly he wasn't i mean i guess he was you know if it was his theory being in uh proved correct that's uh i'd be enthusiastic about that
1: and and then he does uh he brags again i knew it would be so the trees are big for the same reason that the men are because the planet is small and they can grow big without becoming too heavy to stand <laughs>
0: Uh, uh huh dan he shot the hell up he smuggled compressed weed on board and now he's just <laughs> spouting off his theories here so yeah that checks out though if if it's mars is red because it's soil is red guy it probably checks out that uh uh it's big because the men are because the planet is small is probably the logic that tracks there
1: I I I think exclaimed the enthusiast. I have just quoted. If that had been in
0: fanfic, obviously I would have. Been. <laughs> Come on, people.
2: Um,
0: I, I don't have anything else there because it is just sort of get into Wikipedia here. But I do just want to point out that um, there are everywhere they look are fortified stations, glittering with an array of polished knobs. Um, so we can just just acknowledge that. I think it's important the, yes, to just that everywhere the- you look. That's the.
1: There's a, there's a few more of those coming up. <laughs> um, so here's what they... They just make assumptions about everything, which obviously they do from their own, you know, biases. Yeah. Even astronomers are not likely to be wide awake just at the peep of dawn. <laughs> Almost all of the inhabitants we confidently believed would still be sound asleep... Upon that part of the planet passing directly beneath us, and those who are awake would not be likely to watch for unexpected appearances in the sky. (laughs) That
0: is just wild speculation. Insane. Why are
1: you confident about it at all?
0: It's an insane one, you know, sort of stereotype about astronomers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. They're late risers, sure.
0: But, like, yeah, what makes him think that these are not, like, nocturnal beings or... um, you know, beings that require less sleep than a human does, type of thing. Yeah, they have giant eyes. Maybe they are complete. Maybe they don't sleep at all. And yeah, know. they could enter a, a rejuvenation pod every uh, every like thirty six hours for half an hour or something. No, but they were they were confident. <laughs> well, he's confident about this assertion as well. It's a very good one. It's right after that uh, that uh, Martians M- Martians tend to. Uh, Lay in bed a lot. But uh, besides, our height was so great that notwithstanding the numbers of the squadron, we could not easily be seen from the surface of the planet. And if seen at all, we might be mistaken for high flying birds. So just packed with assumptions there, starting with uh, (laughs) one, that there are birds on Mars that the Martians would not see. Uh, you know, what they believe to be high-flying birds and be like, oh, my God! Like, a creature that does not exist on our planet blasted out of the sky immediately. (laughs) You know, and then let alone that these creatures who, as we've reiterated, destroyed Boston uh, don't have, you know, a a telescope that would be able to pick you out of this. Uh, Why are they even awake? What is happening? (laughs) The birds Um... only wake up when the astronomers are up. (laughs) Uh, So
1: they... I guess they circumnavigate the planet just so we can get the uh, Wikipedia completed, I think.
0: Yes, very uh, much Men- so.
1: monomnia Amazonia, Aeolia, Trivium <laughs> Uh, The
0: continent of Libya, which, as I remembered, had been half covered by a tremendous inundation whose effects were visible from the Earth in the year 1889. That is... 100% something that Ernest Klein could have written. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the the uh Different Strokes episode, which as I remembered involved them getting uh, harassed in a bike shop by uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, they ha- they've gone to the dark side. It was Edison's idea, I think. I have I tried to look back at why he had this idea, but he was like, "We just got to uh, you know, get over there because uh, the sun di- light cycles are are the same as Earth, so like if we get over to the other side, we we think they might all be asleep, essentially. Right,
1: but they do the same thing. This is a repeated beat, I think, because they send a, a troop over there a little
0: bit coming up. This will not be the last time they just spin around Mars. Yes, to get right. back to the side, yeah. Uh, and it's to me, it's sort of like writing it serially. I think we've maybe have talked about this, but who knows how long it was in between these things, like. sitting back down to something that you like last did the episode of you know two weeks ago is sort of like did i have him already circumnavigating mars ah who cares like let's (laughs) no one's going to be reading this 130 years from now
1: i think that does explain it actually yes (laughs) we we've all uh you know you you binge a television program and you're hypercritical of the fact that yeah, that's kind of similar to the one I just saw. It's like, yeah, that, that was a month later I right. filmed that.
0: <laughs> uh, he he does another sort of servicism here where he says, there are one or two things of special interest amid the multitude of wonderful observations that we made, which I must mention here on account of their connection with the important events that followed soon after. That's like you know, you're telling us a story, man, and by this point in time, you have to think that we're on board with this if we're still reading. So just tell us tell us the things that are important, and we'll assume anything you're going to tell us is is important. Like, you haven't really earned that benefit of the doubt, but come on.
1: And I wonder, did that, was that style, was that just the way people talked as well? Which would mean, you know, when you're going to the to, to the store to get dry goods or something, and you run into, you know, your friend Terry, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> I would endeavor to say hello to you if, in fact, that were the case where one was going to greet one's friend as one made his... Would you just say hi, Terry?
0: (laughs) God. I must entreat upon you to notice the contents of my cart, which do contain ground beef and canned tomatoes. As forth, I will be making chili tonight. (laughs) (laughs) God.
1: The cat food that you see may be larger than some of the cat foods, but I should endeavor to mention (laughs) my cats are special. Whiskers
0: (laughs) is by himself one of the most. Anyway. (laughs) But that and it keeps up with the Wikipedia stuff. And, you know, it says that it was evident to us from the beginning that this was the chief center of population on the planet. It lies in latitude 25 degrees south and longitude about 90 degrees west. And it's like, just because it's Mars doesn't necessarily make any of these facts you know, important or interesting. Like if he was describing, you know, if they had, if it was Edison conquers Chico, California, and they're being like, you know, we landed at twenty five degrees south and ninety degrees west, which was the municipal center of Chico, which covers seventeen hundred acres, bordered by an unincorporated industrial area that mainly uh, contains warehouses that house uh, garlic from the town's <laughs> garlic supply, which is its first major industry. Like, come on. <laughs> Conquers is right there in the title. Get it. Get to it. Yeah, I wonder if he was
1: thinking that, like, yeah, uh, I'll get uh, I'll get points from my readers if they look this crap up, <laughs> and like, you stop in the middle of it. Hey, honey, you got the uh, you got that Mars book over there? <laughs> the- this uh, this service clown is saying that its latitude is twenty five degrees south and longitude ninety degree west. Check that out for me, yeah. will you?
0: Those are I- uh, the the um actually guys of eighteen ninety eight. They, they, they have a sense that someone in popular entertainment has, has made an error, so they have to, like, right. hop in their buggy and go to the town library and, like, request the book. And two weeks later, they get a notification via, you know, passenger pigeon that it has arrived, so they hop in the buggy again, look it up, realize that service made an error, and it's actually only 89 degrees west. So they write a letter to the editor saying, um, oh, actually, and it gets printed uh... <laughs> three weeks later, and a life well lived, sir. <laughs>
1: Uh, So he gets points for maybe being accurate about the current latitude and longitude (laughs) of the lake of the
0: sun. Right. Which is the, you know, it doesn't matter because it's the chief center of population on the planet, which is the one part of this that you're making up. So it's not like people are going to be like, well, when I get to Mars, I'll check and see if that's true.
1: Right. Uh, But uh, this is when uh, this becomes a huge part of the book now. And I was not... I was not happy with it. Immense volumes of black smoke or vapor blotted out the sight of everything below
0: them. Yes.
1: This felt like this was just a uh, kick the can down the road. Like, yeah, black smokes, What's happening? Hard to say. I don't know. Yeah. Cuttlefish. <laughs> inky fluid.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Can't see anything. Uh, Mars is no longer within our sight. Seemed like a cheat to me.
0: Right, it sort of is a uh, it's a prolonging the uh, the serial, I would guess. If this uh, just happens instantaneously and throws a, a wrench into your plans of conquest,
1: and they can do it at will, <laughs> I right. <one> would assume. <laughs> but uh, luckily, they did bring aboard a smoke expert, <laughs> who says, uh, "Not much hope of that, I'm afraid." Said the chemist who had originally spoken. This smoke could remain floating in the atmosphere for weeks and the only wonder to me is how they ever expect to get rid of it when they think their enemies have gone and they want some sunshine again.
0: Like how how do you possibly know this? <laughs> You're on Mars. Right. Yeah, they Mars could have uh, you know in initiated suicide protocol, being it's like, well, we would rather die in this suffocating smoke than have these earthlings come and conquer us. You know, our pride is worth more than that. Yes,
1: we're a weird race. <laughs> yeah. Our eyes are big, but our feelings are big too. Yes,
0: and as we as we know, uh, once, once we die, our bodies do, you know, re- regenerate via, you know, spores, so we will, you know, <laughs> repopulate the planet within a matter of days. Uh, you, know, <laughs> right. you know, our consciousness transfers, so it's not that big of a deal. Like... <laughs> yeah. I like this part. I just want to go back to it because it says right before they did the, uh, the smoke protocol, mm-hmm. it says that they had, they, had return, they had already navigated the globe, so they returned back to the initial spot they were where the Martians saw them. It says, in a certain sense, we all felt at home here. <laughs> but it says, as it proved, our enemies were on the watch for us there. We had almost forgotten them. So absorbed were we by the great spectacles that had been unrolling themselves beneath our feet. So they've uh, they've just been sitting there, being like, "Oh right, the things that wiped out Earth that we came here to destroy." <laughs> we were so taken in by the uh, Lake of the Sun and the Land of Chrysi.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. If you were uh, you're a Marine in Kabul and you're you just suddenly like entranced by <laughs>
0: yes.
1: what a lovely day. Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> oh... Uh yeah, so that, that they that's the uh that's what provoked the the smoke to do. And as the smoke is, is filling up, uh Edison says, Well there's nothing we can do here. Uh let's return to the daylight side. So it's like woo like back along the uh <laughs> you know, take an entire uh, entire day out of your novel here by just, you know, dicking around transversing the planet. And so that then they just decide
1: to like hang out. Outside the uh, smoke, right, and wait? Because, I mean, smoke expert told them <laughs> it, could, it could be a while.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, uh, and so they hang out. But then, uh, I don't know, I found this very funny, the discovery that they had no food. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but, but on inspecting some of the compressed stores a, long to- a short time ago, I found that a large number of them were destroyed, whether through leakage of air or what, I'm unable to say. I sent to inquire as to the condition of the stores and the other ships in the squadron, and I found that a similar condition of things prevailed there. <laughs> That's the discovery of, yeah. oh, my God, we're going to starve in our ships on, above the planet Mars.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it says they have 10 days of food left. Um. And But uh, this is just a, something that happened entirely off camera. Yep. And like... And forgot to tell him. <laughs> yeah. And you know he he hand waves a lot of stuff away in various things and it's like just the lack of imagination you know like space worms got into the food supply like ionization rendered it inhabitable the um the martian prisoner betrayed us and poisoned the food with martian dust or something like anything would work all you have to do is say it but he just is like who knows what happened or why or when
1: oh it's it's great i'm now i'm looking back on it i forgot to note this down but uh he calls the provision you know leader the the guy who's in charge what do you call it? uh cookie back, okay cookie <laughs> get in here man uh we're going to hang out here for a while how how are we doing and this is the this is what this guy says i am sorry to say sir that something has happened <laughs>
0: Something has happened (laughs) Explain yourself Cookies just like rolling in He's put on like 150 pounds in the past couple days Uh, I don't know I don't know know what happened (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wiping it out of his stubbly beard Smoking a cigarette in a chef's hat Uh, But so had you picked up on the fact that they were all surviving off of Compressed food this whole time Because I did not notice that and, And compressed food plays a big role later so I, when I went back and reviewed this, I was like, oh, I guess they did mention it before. It said that the the, the first time they, they, they mentioned this was pretty early on. It says we had an abundant supply of compressed provisions, compressed air, scientific, scientific apparatus, and so on. Um, but I, guess- I
1: think I glazed over the fact that the provisions were compressed. Yeah. I thought that just mean like, you know. I don't know, bricks of dried food, or I was just thinking early space food or something. I don't know.
0: Right, yeah, just like shrink-wrapped type of things. But I think it sort of essentially means like the uh, the stereotypical space food pill where you eat this and like, you know, because later on they're like, be careful with this, like it sort of expands in your stomach or something.
1: Yes, I think it's uh, Elvin Lembus that they got. <laughs> a small bite feeds a grown man for a week. You know,
0: wow. Uh, i guess service was ahead of his time in something else then <laughs> that's right <laughs> so they pretty much say like look we can't wait it out like smoke experts said um we've got to get down there and do it now and this is kind of funny it says we must get to, you know we cannot wait for the smoke to clear off even if there were any hope of it clearing we must get down on mars now having conquered it first if possible <laughs> <laughs> Well, how do you plan to do that, sir? I mean, I know it is right there in the title, but uh, it seems like you're probably going to have to land in order to conquer it. But I don't know. Who, who knows what these knobs are capable of.
1: And then he, but he, he gives the plan, and this, made me, this also made me laugh. Uh, after a few hours, the commander called me aside and said, I've thought it all out. I'm going to reconstruct some of our disintegrators so as to increase their range and their power. <laughs> and I'm going to have some of the astronomers of the expedition locate for me the most vulnerable points on the planet where the population is densest and a hard blow would have the most effect. And I'm going to pound away at them <laughs> through the smoke and see whether we cannot draw them out of their shell. Um, yeah, yeah, do that, yeah, do that. Right. Maybe yeah. we should have done that from the beginning <laughs> instead would... of just fly around the planet and draw their fire.
0: Try Fr- to forget they existed. That, I like that that was the plan he came up with after a few hours. You know I'm what? going
1: to reconstruct some of our – you were able to do that? Why didn't you just do that from the beginning?
0: Yeah, it's like when, a, uh, when, a, when you buy a device that you know has a capability, like on your car or something, but you don't pay the dealer extra to unlock it, but it's there. You know? It's like, come on, <laughs> I want the nav feature. I know it's there. I'd have to pay you and you press a button that's going to unlock it. Like,
1: right. You could have made
0: the disintegrators have much bigger range and power. It was just sort of soft-locked on us. Sixty-seven of our men are dead. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope that uh, Terry Silver's watching because he loves it. He loves it when he pounds him. So that's, um, he does. That's, I think he's come up in every episode of this podcast so far. Uh, but so after the guy comes up with that plan, they do have to, uh, I think, wait another hour. So that gets pulse pounding. Um, they, I think, or, or do they? Do they then circumnavigate it again? I don't know. No, they, they wait an hour so that uh, some astronomical astronomical condition is correct as they get there. And then Edison delivers this uh, nice uh, thing that he also was able to do. I have ascertained, said Mr. Edison, the vibration period of the smoke, so it will be easy for us to shatter it into invisible atoms. I'm not sure if he consulted with the smoke guy on that one or if he just, was, you know, he's a genius. He probably came up with it on his own. But I just thought it was very funny that the they, they needed to use the disintegrating ray on the smoke now. And I
1: hope when they with the disintegrators, because you have to enter the vibration period of the things you're shooting at, mm-hmm. which I assume is like a, a thick laminated book on one of those, you know, on a clip or something, yeah. on your belt. So I hope that they all have little markers and a space where they can write in the smoke vibration. Oh, right, yeah. Because that's a new thing, you know. Martian smoke was not something they could test back in... Uh, menlo park so <laughs> i assume there's just like empty spaces on all the little books where they have to enter all the numbers of the vibrations of everything they shoot at
0: right yes we'll uh we'll leave these the uh, last few pages blank in case things get invented since then or maybe it said martian smoke and then question mark question mark like fill it in like <laughs> when you discover it
1: it could but imagine you have to thumb past like a uh, crow feathers <laughs> yes. like do we need do we
0: really need this leave it on there yeah i have written it yeah First Lady McKinley's petticoat. Mr. Edison, please. (laughs) Uh, We get this title, The Blow and Its Effect, which Mm was the science fair project that got me suspended in sixth grade. That was one of those, like, you know, foam boards that have three different uh, trifold foam boards. (laughs)
1: Uh, So, yeah, what they're planning to do is the, uh, okay. Uh, The first thing then was to locate the lake of the sun on the smoke-ridden surface of the planet beneath beneath us. This was a problem that the astronomers could readily solve.
0: Oh, phew. Good. I was worried there might be some conflict or drama. A
1: couple sentences later. It is the lake of the sun, shouted the astronomer who furnished the calculation by means of which its position had been discovered. (laughs) And indeed, it was the lake of the sun.
0: (laughs) Left us hanging there for a while there. He made wow. the claim that we could do it easily, but we didn't know if it was true. And then they did it easily, and it was confirmed that it was correct. <laughs> and then it was confirmed. That's storytelling.
1: That is a really good storytelling. <laughs> Whew, pulse pounding.
0: Um, uh, yeah, and I think they essentially blast a hole in the smoke using the disintegrating ray, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. then they just start then raining down blows with the disintegrating ray or a different knob or something as they do that. I think, I think they
1: they're e- just—the only thing they have is the disintegrating ray, right?
0: Got it. So the upgraded disintegrating ray, let's not forget. The, um, oh,
1: the, he upgraded all of them, yeah. Yeah, It he, says,
0: as, this, as each of our ships possessed but one of the new disintegrators. It was like, how did you even hand that off? Like, how do his exchanges of things work between these ships? But he managed—they installed the whole race, I guess. That's just—it was another thing that gets <laughs> happens off-camera. <laughs>
1: It was like you know, download the firmware update for yes. <laughs> Windows 11. Do not click on it until you have you know partitioned a space on your disintegrator drive.
0: <laughs> it's a it's not an approved app in the app store, so you will have to sideload it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they start they start blasting uh, like four or five Martian airships out of the sky. Uh, but they are also the Martians are fighting back as well. Um, it says, another score of our comrades were gone, uh, and we had hardly yet begun the fight. And then it says, this is a, you know, he, he tossed a, a thing that I issued to settle down to into this sentence, because I had never heard it before. But glancing at the other ships which had been injured, I saw that the damage to them was not so serious, although they were evidently hors de combat for the present. <laughs> <laughs> it, it means out of action. but it, Out uh, of
1: action. Okay. That's good. Could have just
0: said didn't, didn't didn't survive the one hundred and thirty year gap. I'm guessing. In the, uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So they pierce the clouds, and the Martians just point their polished knobs at them and just like decimate them, yeah,
0: right? Yes. <laughs> Why did you make us do this? We hope you'd re- retreat in peace.
1: Uh, and does he say how many? Uh, I, I know towards the end here, they uh, you probably have stuff before this—but their fighting blood was now boiling, and they did not stop long to count their losses.
0: Right. Um, they don't—they don't elaborate on this till much later when he presents us with a shocking number of how many okay. people are about <laughs> to die here. <laughs> yeah, but no, he just says another ship got blasted, so that's excuse me, that's twenty more people that died. So I mean, body count's around eighty-eighty-five at this point in time, eighty-seven. Okay. Uh, but All yeah, they—they right. they say into the smoke, and they pretty much, you know. 90 of their ships descend down to uh to start blasting the martians which is takes us into chapter 11 Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) which has another thing that's very similar to ernest klein it says uh you know so they're, they're, they're going down there the big fight's about to unfurl i have simply a confused recollection of flashing nights beneath and dark gray arch of clouds about and then almost at an instant the swarm of airships surrounded us um blah 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 and it's uh some before you know tongues of electric fire before which some of our ships were driven like bits of flaming paper into a high wind gleaming for a moment then curling up and gone um so it, so it says like a big battle happened i was pretty distracted by all the carnage you know there we go <laughs> Yep. enjoy that
1: i don't really remember a whole lot yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> Just picture a big battle with Martian smoke with holes pierced in the smoke Right. somehow.
0: And this is where I wondered, like, hey, how, how's your prisoner doing this uh, attempt to exterminate his countrymen? You haven't really mentioned him in a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, I think, the uh, the effect of the, the weeks off in between publishing these serials. But...
1: I wonder if he was, like, yeah, as they're disintegrating things and he's like, oh my God, that's... My favorite pizza place. Yes. <laughs> they do a thin crust there. <laughs> oh, God. Lake of the Sun pizza. No. <laughs>
0: Original Lake of the Sun pizza. are the ones who did the thicker crust, but I still would eat it if the other one was closed. Yeah, they're across the street from each other. They really hate each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but so he's not mentioned for another while later, and we get another great reveal about him as well. But uh, the, the, I like this bit, too. It says, it was a glorious fight, but it was not war no, it was not war. <laughs> you traveled across, you know, a decent part of the solar system to exterminate these people for revenge. Like, I don't think it counts as like, you know, this is not like entrapment where you have to tell a cop, you know, if you're a cop, you have to tell me sort of thing just by saying this isn't war. <laughs> doesn't clear you up, you know, having to stand trial at uh, the Hague right. once this is all done. <laughs>
1: it's like the, uh, I used to laugh at these signs, you know, you go to some rickety carnival or something and, uh, a little hand-lettered sign taped to the wall. We are not responsible for any injuries. <laughs> I don't think just taping a thing to the wall. Sure, yeah. If you like kill someone, you probably are responsible.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. So not war. That's important to know. Um, but uh, they're they're dis- you know exterminating. Like uh, it says, sixty of the electrical ships rose up through the clouds, where more than ninety had gone down so 30 ships that's like 300 people who have died then
1: (laughs) and he says uh, no
0: wait yeah 300 people uh, a third of their crew
1: (laughs) yeah very cliny in there too he just says um uh, our flagship was charmed (laughs) we just uh got out of there shaking off their pursuers as a hunted bear shakes off the dogs so it's just like how did how did you get away from like you're literally describing just like absolute gigantic fleets pursuing you we just shook them off
0: and, right sure yeah
1: and, and flew out
0: i don't know what happened but when i came to uh purple prince had uh it was fallen on the ground and uh question mark prince was next to him right. I, I referred to him as that because he had a question mark shaped guitar yeah so he, he, he described this action earlier as poking the hornet's nest and it's also like a swarm of angry bees so he's really going to the well for these uh imaginative references he's pulling out here
1: And then they just go above the clouds again, right? Which is what they did before.
0: Yeah, they pull back and it says, oh, this is where it says, um, our very first assault had resulted in a disastrous repulse with the loss of at least 30 electric ships and 600 men. (laughs) It's like, that would have been exciting to read about. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: And then, uh, Edison, uh, how's your plan? Mm -hmm. You were going to... You know, try to find that vulnerable position on the ground. Remember that whole thing you said? Like, is he just doing the, um, you know, sitting on the ground, clutching his knees, tears just coming, like frozen, you know, with with his disintegrator to his temple?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You set your disintegrator for Edison, no!
1: Because wow. he's, he's obviously failed. I mean, this
0: is done. Yeah, maybe he, uh, when, when service said, like, we had almost forgotten about the Martians, maybe Edison had forgotten. Maybe they didn't, you know, sit down and remind everybody. Now there are Martians down there, folks. I know a lot of us have forgotten about them, but they do want to kill us. They are the planet wow. of the This had
1: become like home for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dang uh i thought this was just a funny thing to see just if you for for 1898 writing it just seems a little modern uh, our provisions could only last a few days longer the supply would not carry us one quarter of the way back to earth and we must therefore remain here and literally conquer or die <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah you knew you had to conquer before you went down and lost 600 men the goal is still the same it hasn't changed
1: and uh so they once again institute the plan that they had already done but um Look, I wrote this down. I'm not proud of it. It's in the book. Uh, Language changes, but I'm going to read it anyway. (laughs) In the meantime, while these ships are raising a hullabaloo on this side of the planet and drawing their fire as much as possible without running into any actual danger, let the others, which have been selected for the purpose, sail rapidly around to the other side of Mars and take them in the rear. (laughs) I'm just going to read that and leave that there. Can, can,
0: Can there at least be a blow first? I mean, I... (laughs) <laughs> is that the plan that's raised by uh, by uh, uh, Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith? Yes. Okay. Right. That's the first thing that I was like, all right. It says he has served in many wars against the cunning Indians of the West, and that. So I had to look him up, and I think that the only result for that name is for this book.
1: That is true. So- I thought the same thing. Like all we get are you know Sylvanus P. Thompson or whatever <laughs> real guy. We're getting the real linguists. Uh-huh. Uh, we're getting chemists who are real. And then uh, Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith <laughs> is a uh, flight of fancy for him, a complete made up character.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it just seems bizarre.
0: <laughs> it's probably a good thing because you'd probably look into him and be like, oh dear. Like <laughs> this guy was brought along. Here. <laughs> he did some shit. But uh, yeah, so he takes over and he says, um, he, he again speculates about how this might work out. Um, you know, so the Martians have just killed 600 people, but he says the chances are that all of the available fighting force of the planet Mars is now concentrated on this side in the neighborhood of the Lake of the Sun, possibly by some kind of x-ray business. <laughs> they can only see us dimly through the clouds, and if we get a little further away, they'll not be able to see us at all. So, like, you know, earlier you thought they were just going to see us as birds, and now you think they've got some kind of x-ray business so, I mean, I would say that, like formulate this plan better before you start raising the hullabaloo and take them in the rear uh,
1: the x ray business reminded me of what was the movie we did it was Santa called. Claus I... well, no laser mission, oh okay where he describes the mission, he's like, he's off in uh, a foreign country on some sort of laser mission. (laughs) So that's X-ray business and laser missions are the vague terms that we could use.
0: Yeah. That was a three-star general uh, saying some sort of laser mission (laughs) (laughs) in front of like two flags that were obviously like the cheapest plastic flags you could set up in a a hotel conference room. Uh, I reminded me of the, uh, there was that movie where Santa Claus got captured by like an African warlord. Oh right, and right, it had, right. like sort of like the hot like snow princess or something he Yes. says, yep. "Stop all your crying business." <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was like Swedish or something, like all all translated and dubbed. French, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh and th- so this is this is Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith, who's doing this plan, and so it's after he says take them in the rear, it says it was not perfectly clear what Colonel Smith intended to do after the landing had been effected in the rear of the Martians, but <laughs> but still there seemed to be a good deal to be said for his suggestion. It's like <laughs> make make your plan more than one step at a time. Six hundred men just died because you were like let's just go down there and start blasting. So then
1: he so he he gives a half plan, and everyone goes. Well, you know, it's like x plus y equals question mark, and no one like that's fine. (laughs) Sounds good.
0: Yeah, I don't know. He he he's been west of the Mississippi, so he's wiser than all of us in these matters. I don't know.
1: I wonder that it was. It was probably a real person, and they had to change it, right?
0: Oh, sure. It could have been a. This could be a, a very biting parody of some famous guy
1: the specificity of it makes it seem like it's it's someone
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe there's a just different a.j. smith or something like that wow
1: so after uh taking them in the rear we have flank movements so uh
0: did did, did they flank things Yeah, is that as they're going back around yeah to the other side of mars again
1: yes we're doing take two on going to the dark side of mars
0: (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) yes uh yeah so he, he he they they go back i think they they drop down through the through the clouds um and land it says from my knowledge of the geography of mars i knew this was the part of the lake of alsonia setting a few hundred miles northeast of hellas where he had first seen the planet so wade watts again and then it says there's just it, this is a uh, one of the sub chapter headings landing on mars we believed we were the first of the descendants of adam to set foot on the planet of mars so I was wondering if, like, you know, Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith just, like, did the uh, um, put, put, put his foot down first just so he could be the first guy. Like, ah, when we were yeah. used to be taking family road trips, I would, like, stick my hand out when you entered a new state and be like, I was in Delaware before you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm imagining that's what guys in the 1800s also did. They were immature seven-year-olds.
1: And I assume he he claimed the land for uh, sure. a stepped foot on it. Yeah. I dubbed this <laughs> planet
0: Alonzo Sphere.
1: <laughs> Even though it was thickly populated. No, no. <laughs> less thickly populated than then other w- parts.
0: Than it was before, yeah. Before we started blasting.
1: Uh, so they... Um, oh, and uh, uh, service went with Colonel Alonzo W.H.P. Smith III, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. just... Because he felt like it, right? Even though he's Mr. Edison's aide de camp, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go with him. That sounds good.
0: <laughs> right. The, the story calls for this, so I will do it. Yeah.
1: So he did. And what they do is they just like hover in the trees, and they're like, just get get above the trees, and then we'll just scuttle down the trees, which they do. <laughs> That's just, that struck me as very funny, like in this space book. Like, just okay, get over to that tree, and I'll grab it. There we go. snap, there goes Colonel Alonzo dead on the ground.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, you you can climb enormous trees, right? Because the guy did say that the trees were big because the planet was small. So that's been established. These are, like, towering redwoods that we're going to have to climb down. We don't have a ramp or anything on these airships, really?
1: 100% confident also that, like, a... I don't know, an eight-legged monkey doesn't strangle yep. immediately in the tree.
0: Yeah, or just be like, oh, what? you know how the margins were allergic to our common cold? Well, these trees sap, you know, they dissolve your skin instantly.
1: Uh, something is stinging me fairly. Oh, wow, that really hurt. I'm dead.
0: <laughs> uh, but that's not the case because this is where we start to get a lot more of the, ah, uh, um, oh, this this foreign planet, like many things resemble Earth. It says... It was so lacking in density that it resembled the air on the summits of the loftiest terrestrial mountains. So I was like, ah, oh, it resembled something from Earth you don't say. And then they, they sort of get back down and it says, Surrounding me were things. Gigantic it is true, but still resembling and recalling the familiar sights of my own world. It's like, well, maybe you should stop just like naming the you know, various craters you see and start thinking more of uh, what it's going to look like once you actually get down on another planet
1: yeah they were really taken by Mars. It's way nicer than they thought. It's like they you know, I always heard that uh, Phoenix was a dump, but I was sure. in some place. it was pretty nice.
0: Yeah Yeah, they got yeah you know, good beer, I mean, again, yeah, some good. of those
1: neighbor. the sun is always shining. I, I liked it a lot, okay. way more than I expected. Well, I
0: could live there. I really think I could. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, there's, I said no electric lights. Cause he described earlier, like the Martians have some sort of system implemented for when they initiate their cuttlefish ink, uh, surrounding the planet That they have like a, uh, fake daylight system, That it says, uh, there were no electric lights in our immediate neighborhood. But the surface of the planet around us was gleaming with them. It's like, what do these lights look like? This must be like a an eerie, you know, eldritch glow that you're seeing. It produced an effect like the glow of a great city seen from a distance at night. <laughs> so if you've ever been to a city on Earth, that's what it was like.
1: Yes. Oh, this, this was the moment, I forgot to write this down, where I was like, a firm settle down to like, you know, being entranced by... By uh, Mars, when in fact you're on a mission to save us all. Uh, <laughs> it was wonderfully quiet and beautiful, spot where we had come down. The air had a delicate feel and a bracing temperature, while a soft breeze soft through the leaves of the trees above our heads.
0: And <laughs> that's get moving. <laughs> so- the Soft breeze, S O U G H. Like they a, just a, a poetic. He's he's waxing about this uh, mystical planet where six of his six hundred of his men just died.
1: I remember uh, when I was young, I used to actually look up words I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I had a dictionary, and I would I was reading. Um, I liked H. L. Mencken, who okay. uh, he, he liked to exhaust a thesaurus, so <laughs> I had it by my bed, and I think the first time I heard. There was like a breeze softing through the trees, and I was like, "All oh, right, I'll go <laughs> I'll, I'll get out the thesaurus, but I don't like it one bit.
0: <laughs> I had to do that in the next sentence, not far away from the bank of a canal bordered by a magnificent avenue, shaded by a double row of immense umbrageous trees. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes.
0: It just means providing shade. Yes, uh. And then we get another uh, earth comparison. It says the shadow of the trees falling upon the roadway produced a dense gloom in the midst of which we felt that we should be safe unless the Martians had eyes like those of cats. <laughs> it's like, how they, is that
1: Martian you captured by the
0: way? Yeah, good question. Did, yeah. Hey, do you guys have eyes like cats? It's like no, we have eyes like the ravenous Spliceberg bleast, you idiots. Like we don't know what cats are. We have we're so far advanced and adapted to this foreign soil that like you know you could not comprehend what we're able to see with our naked eye.
1: Hang on, I'll ask the idiot about his eyes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they don't
0: have eyes like cats. <laughs> well, he's he's been so busy enjoying the softing breeze um, that's about to come to a, an end. Yeah. A quick end, though. <laughs>
1: My gosh.
0: Because the next sub chapter is An Alarming Encounter.
1: Do you want to read it? As it drew near, it assumed the appearance of an enormous dog <laughs> as tall as an ox, which ran swiftly our way with a threatening motion of its head.
0: My God! The body counts about to rise even higher.
1: But before I could even utter a snarl, the whir of Colonel Smith's disintegrator was heard, and the creature vanished in the shadow. So he quickly punched in the number for enormous dog tall as an ox vibration number. <laughs>
0: oh, uh, it's like you don't even get the benefit of, you know, in the you know movie Planet of the Dinosaurs or something, they blast the dinosaur... And then they like, you know, it's dead. So they get to walk over to it and be like, its body consists of these scales. We could fashion these into arrowheads. It just, you evaporate the beast and you don't even know like what, you can't look at it. And again, say, oh, it has eight legs. Crazy.
1: Yeah. Or even, you know, the whir of Colonel Smith's disintegrator. His first shot had missed. The creature swiped me with its large paw and I flew against a tree and, you know, nope. It's, it's just,
0: he's gone. It, yeah, yeah, the the green slime dripping off its fangs was inches from my head, and that's when the disintegrator finally got it. Like, yes. yeah, and I, I also like that they say, it's as tall as an ox, and then right after that they say, did you ever see, gracious, did you ever see such a beast? He was as big as a grizzly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're getting out your ox-grizzly comparisons, like,
0: well, yeah. what kind of ox? Yeah, like, which... yeah. And, and like, okay, you've been out west, Colonel, like, let's, uh, you know, oh, ox? Yeah, I guess... I guess sure. There you have Ox back east, but hmm it's in and out versus Carl's Junior.
1: Right. Uh, so they uh, the hedges and canals. It's a nice. It's it's a nice place. It seems like this is the. Uh, it's like Versailles you know, this is, or something. Yeah, a, a richer a neighborhood. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was just telling my my son, by the way, when I was in the one time I was in Versailles. You know, you're just taken in by the wonder of you step out and you see that, you know, magnificent stretch of the gardens going as far, literally as far as your eyes can see. Mm. And when I was there, it was like 130 degrees. (laughs) So like, God, this place sucks. Versailles is the worst place I've ever been. There were people literally, because it was around noon, there were people huddled against the walls under the tiny slivers of shade. Wow. Uh, This is Versailles. (laughs)
0: American idiots deported for bathing in uh, fountains of Versailles. Yes
1: anyway there it 's a night, and the breeze is softing it couldn't be more lovely as they uh, visit their Martian yeah but, uh,
0: it's one of those summer nights where like the fireflies come out and you're just like i i could this if if this is what life was like, I would endure this forever and you know for all he knows, you know Edison is you know careening, you know, careening the the flagship kamikaze style into a Martian ship to take it out and say, "Tell my wife I love her." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh... uh, they
1: go towards a door that's open, and out of this streamed a brilliant shaft of illumination, which lay bright upon the lawn. <laughs> so I'm, I'm picturing, you know, uh, earlier, just a little bit earlier, the Martians in crisp white linen shirts were like playing uh, croquet, croquet out in the. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, the Martians being like, yeah, so the trick is you got to hit it with the turf builder uh, at the end of the season. You know, that's how you get it to come up nicely there. And he's like, he's maintaining his lawn, but like sort of like looking at his other guy who's letting his, like the leaves pile up for compost, being like, God, uh, the HOA's got to do something about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: going natural, man. It's it's better for the earth. It's better. I mean, you're using, the, you're basically dying your lawn green. Yeah.
0: You know, and you know, the concept of a lawn was invented in the 20th century. You know, we did not have lawns in the, in the, in the, in the, in the 1700s. Just stay on your side of the hedge, Gary. I want to hear it. I like that this is another, I, I, I just sort of doubt this guy's leadership because Colonel Smith, it seems like he's not even sure what he's doing because he makes a pretty critical area, error here. He says, this affords good protection, said Colonel Smith, recalling his adventures on the Western Plains. We can get close into the Indians. I beg pardon. I mean, the Martians without being seen. It's like, are you, are you okay, man? Yeah. Are you having some sort of like flashback here to, <laughs> does it, because you, you, you didn't make a plan first of all, and now uh, you're, you're just having these critical errors, but I guess that could just be like, uh, you know, having studied abroad, just being like, oh, well, actually, when I, uh, when I was traveling to Versailles, this is how I, uh, <laughs> I did it type of thing. We get it. You uh, fought Indians, Alonzo. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yes,
1: we know. We've heard all your stories. <laughs>
0: And I like uh, this one, too. As they're creeping towards the open door, we suddenly stopped as if we had been stricken with instantaneous paralysis. Out of the door floated, on the soft night air, the sweetest music I have ever listened to.
1: (laughs) It carried me back in an instant to my own world. It was the music of Earth. <laughs> what it's like having a rhoney.
0: <laughs> honky tonk. Badonka. Badonka Scoffing to my ears the music of. What was that guy's name?
1: Who did honky tonk? Trace. Tra- Trace Atkins? Wow, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, my God, exclaimed Colonel Smith. What can that be? Are we dreaming or where in heaven's name are we? And the enchanting har- harmony floated upon the
0: air. These guys, come on, get your crap together. Yeah, really. Tunnel vision is what you want from these people—to the singular focus on the mission. Just like, you know, slit that ox grizzly's throat and move on without even talking about it. Like, <laughs> right? Do
1: like, the do the hand signals to each other and just move forward.
0: Yeah. Instead, they're acting like uh, shoeless Joe. They're like, "Is this heaven? <laughs> no,
1: it's uh, it's Mars." Yeah, they're acting like those, uh, you know, the cartoon dogs where the scent of the, <laughs> the meat comes out and tickles their nose and then they float through the air.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's uh, they're, they're pretty much doing that. He says, "I it drifted into a wild fantasia, still expressively sweet. Uh, <laughs> changed they're doing again. music
1: theory in the middle
0: of all of this? Yeah, it's changing into a requiem or lament whose mellifluous tide of harmony swept our thoughts again back to the earth. like. Uh, you had forgotten about Earth again. Like, it's not, not good. It's like, maybe it's like a siren. Uh, they got to chain themselves to the to the mast and able to endure this. But he <laughs> says, I, mu- I cannot endure this no longer. I must see who it is that makes that music. It is the product of a human heart and must come from the touch of human fingers. So, uh, like, at this point, I would give anything to have it just be the nastiest Martian who's doing this. You know, like, uh, like when... Roger Rabbit thinks he sees Jessica Rabbit through the thing, but it's just a a gross version of her type of thing, like making this beautiful music. But of course it turns out it sort of spoils the the surprise with a sub-chapter heading, A Beautiful Girl. Yeah,
1: it'd have been great if he walked around and it was, yeah, uh, you know, Cthulhu <laughs> playing something with six of its penises or something. <laughs> like, oh, all right. Well, sorry. I, I did, but, not as beautiful as I had originally thought.
0: It, but it has no mouth. Where is that beautiful aria coming from? Oh, that'd be uh, penis number five. It's, uh, <laughs> that's the operatic tenor. So, <laughs> uh, But I, I did like this. This is another one I had to look up. It's uh, a, a, an enormous hall. Um, a more, glittering on all sides with metallic ornaments and gems lighted from the center by a great chandelier of electric candles in the middle of the great... So take keep that in mind. He's, he's, he's gotten a pretty good look at this hall. <laughs> he's taken note mm-hmm. of metallic ornaments and gems. Um, in the middle of the floor, holding an instrument delicately poised and still awake against its ravishing voice stood a figure at the sight of which almost stopped my breath. It was a slender sylph of a girl. Did, did you mm-hmm. know what a sylph was?
1: I did, but only... Yeah. Oh, nice. Again, probably from reading H.L. Mencken. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, it's an air spirit from 16th century works of Paracelsus who describes sylphs as being beings of the air, his elementals of air. And um, believe it or not, there is some uh, nice and horny sylph artwork in like that Frank Frazetta <laughs> a fantasy style, you know, sort of like Valkyries type of thing. So. That's nice. I'll put the picture in the uh, in the description. But it's a uh, a girl of my own race, a human being here upon the planet Mars, and that's followed by a great illustration.
1: Oh my gosh! It's it's sort of uh, it spoils it because it's so good. The description doesn't it come to this moment, so that this moment comes before you get the description of it. Yeah, there are two. Um, one of them looks a lot like a later Elmer Fudd,
0: <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, the sort of bulging head.
1: Cheeky, like bigger cheeks. It uh, looks like he could be hunting rabbit. The other one has a larger dome, not quite as Elmer Fuddy, but uh, legs crossed, sitting in, uh, I don't know, sort of uh, mid-century modern chairs, <laughs> looking down on this uh, sylphan, uh girl Yeah, what play, a- playing a harp.
0: Yeah, I feel like the one on the right is a—he's uh, he, sort of considering that whether it's a, a requiem or a or a fugue or whatever it is. And then the one on the left, though, his gaze is a little more troubling to me. <laughs> yes. Maybe he's just gassy or something, but he looks uh, he, he, yeah, he, off-putting. I would say.
1: And then unseen, we, we see our two—the uh, uh, men enjoying the softing breeze—are around the corner, sort of peeking in. Mm-hmm. One without his helmet on, so or without his, you know, mask yeah, thing on.
0: I, I think that hand waved away at some point in time when he was like, oh, the atmosphere is just a little, the air is a little thinner, They're like the top of an earth mountain or something, but.
1: Yeah, but there's an unseen behind a pillar is a third Martian, and it just is such a cheat that we don't get to see what he looks like, <laughs> you know, so they had like a big Raleigh fingers mustache yes. <laughs> or something like that.
0: He's wearing a propeller beanie. He's the playful one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they are, yeah, they are all they're all crossing their legs in this sort of uh r- relaxed style. Um the uh, the one on the right is also crossing his arms. So he's just very contemplative.
1: Mm-hmm. they They're just uh, they, these are the the contented looks of men who have electric candles and uh and are listening to an aria, so. <laughs>
0: um, and that's the end of the chapter. Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith uh, bur blurts out Um, It says, her hair was loosely coiled and she was attired in graceful white drapery. Bye! And then... Censored. Censored, cried Colonel Smith, she's human! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's how that chapter ends.
1: Uh, The slender sylph of a girl is human. (laughs) I mean, I think he's making an assumption there, but... We'll see.
0: There's a lot of assumptions made about this girl going forward. <laughs> yeah. First of all that um I, does it say um uh, yeah a apl- uh, yeah of her own race but also that she uh is is here of not of her own will and needs to be extricated from the uh from, from the situation immediately. <laughs> That's right. Um but let's before we get to chapter 12 let's do our fanfic.
2: Fanfic.
0: So this is real or fanfic? A popular segment here on our show where you're going to try to guess which of these next five segments are real from the final quarter of Edison's Conquest of Mars mm-hmm. and which ones are fanfic written by our loyal, um, kind, good-looking, successful Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash 372pages. What, what did we discuss last week? The, you told an enchanting tale.
1: Oh, one of my uh, two devastating fires.
0: That's the first fire that Mike has caused in his life.
1: So the second one is coming. And uh, I forgot two uh, uh, thrilling tales of Johnny Rockets. <laughs> Which I'll have to get to it. So that, there's a lot in the there's a lot in store for those Patreon people.
0: Re- great, I, I'm looking forward. I'm, I want to hear about the second fire first of all because the first one had many twists that I did not <laughs> see coming. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we're going to also run a meme contest for Edison's Conquest of Mars. Get your get your memeing skills ready. Uh, we love everybody. Uh, shout out! The, I, I I don't look at them often, but I, I was curious about our iTunes podcast ranking recently. Mm-hmm. It's quite, you know, not to toot our own horn, but it's fine. It's, it's good. But the one negative review we got recently was a guy lamenting that we've taken the path, taken by so many other podcasts where it becomes just a way for you to relentlessly flog your Patreon and your live shows. So this guy was, he just... We speak for two hours on each of these episodes, and he was really off-put by the 20 seconds we take to instruct people that if they like it, they can help us out. (laughs) And then our our one live show in the past four years, he was very dismayed by that. He wants uh, pure, uncut
1: Garrett P. service, damn it. (laughs) Nothing else.
0: So we can can point and laugh at him, but... uh... He won't be listening anymore, I guess. He's renounced us. So he will not get to hear which of these are real, which of these are fanfic, or maybe they're all of the same. Maybe they are real. Maybe they're all fanfic. We shall see. Are you ready? I am. Number one. Edison achieves his final revenge. The survivors of the deluge from the Martin army had gathered on the plateau, and where once they numbered in the thousands of millions, there were now but a scant few. Our remaining flying electric cars were lined up on the opposite end, with Edison himself piloting the flagship. It is not necessary to describe how deftly and intuitively he controlled the ship. And as he brought the disintegrator ray to bear on its target, he activated the outside bullhorn to address the enemy. "'Hearken to me, you devils!' his voice boomed out of the ornate trumpet-shaped speaker cone mounted to the front of the ship. "'Just as the angel Gabriel heralded to the prophet Isaiah that Cyrus the Great would overthrow the kingdom of Babylon, so too have the heavens declared that I, Thomas Alva Edison, would complete the conquest of Mars.' Today we make manifest our destiny to be the sole inhabitant of this great solar system. All hail Edison! Everyone cheered. Hail the new emperor of Mars! Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the references wow, were that was well done. I'm going to say fanfic, okay? But uh, yeah, that is good. Good uh, references to Cyrus and Isaiah, and yeah, all, all checks out.
0: Nice. Um, let's see, number two. Our small company of men entered the great hall, discovering its many buttresses and pillars, each soaring to more imposing heights than the imaginations of any men among us could have conjured in their most fervent reveries to be constructed. It seemed of the same brilliant and coral-like stone as the statues we encountered in the square. Before us, their regal countenances wrought into expressions we understood to be of rising dyspeptic malaise sat the six elders of the Martian Planetary Council, as Aina had explained equipped now with the ancient languages of our celestial neighbors who though fated so recently to be also our truest adversaries may yet with fortune ally with us in prosperous galactic residence edison himself ambassador and exemplar of human achievement greeted the assembly gna he profound he pronounced confidently <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs>
1: oh dystopian what there are a couple phrases in there that uh
0: yeah a lot of those were all, all one sentences so uh this dyspeptic malaise dyspeptic malaise rising dyspeptic malaise
1: wow uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say fanfic okay and
0: let's see number three um where's number three "'At the moment of st- oh, sorry. at the moment of starting, a most tragic event occurred. "'Our fleet was assembled around the palace, "'and the signal was given to rise slowly to a considerable height "'before imparting a great velocity to the electrical ships. "'As we slowly rose, we saw the immense crowd of giants beneath us, "'with upturned faces watching our departure. "'The Martian monarch and all his suite "'had come out upon the terrace of the palace to look at us. "'At a moment when he probably supposed himself to be unwatched, "'he shook his fist at the retreating fleet.' My eyes and those of several others in the flagship chanced to be fixed upon him. Just as he made the gesture, one of the women of his suite, in her eagerness to watch us, apparently lost her balance and stumbled against him. Without a moment's hesitation, with a tremendous blow, he felled her like an ox at his feet. Holy cow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Whew. Ah, that is so odd. I don't know. I'll bite on it. I'll say it's real.
0: Okay. Okay. Martians uh, shaking their fist at the uh, whippersnappers to get you off the lawn. Uh, Number four, a Martian fate, F-E-T-E. Is that how you say that? Um, Mm -hmm. The new Martian emperor, enthroned in the center of the hall, looked every inch a princely satrap, surrounded as he was by such an aggregation of loveliness. At his feet were gathered the Martian ladies, 16 in number, dressed in the regal style of the court, while in a semicircle surrounding were Thomas Edison, myself, and others of the delegation of men. The spectacular portion of the program soon commenced. The 16 Martian ladies with the poetry of motion swung in graceful lines to the sound of rhythmic music and executed a very charming dance. Under what magic wand they could in such short time... Under what magic wand they could in such short time effort such poetry of motion was an enigma to the audience, and as they swung from place to place, each step executed with the precision of trained corps of ballet dancers, the spectacle was certainly an entrancing one, and secured for the ladies storms of applause from the new emperor and our men. Brava, 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 cried both Monsieur Moisson and Lord Kelvin in rapturous delight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: i'm gonna say fanfic okay. also good wow
0: and here's the final one number five they're waiting for you now said the young ms cook eating a celebratory feast and indulging in much libations all the major world leaders appeared to be in good spirits after the savage blow we had dealt the martians on their home turf her majesty queen victoria of britain eleanor cook announced ceremoniously and emperor william of germany Then she took her leave of us, and before I could so much as bow, the Emperor reached forward and shook my hand heartily. They're not likely to recover their strength in a hurry, he laughed. Going to Mars taught them a lesson they won't soon forget, thanks to your friend, Mr. Edison. To all the people of the world he is a hero, as are you, Queen Victoria agreed. Eat with us, please, my dear fellow. Me? I cried in a voice I was ashamed to say, was most undignified in the presence of such distinguished people. Oh, your highness, I I couldn't possibly— My boy, I'm afraid we must insist, Emperor William chuckled. God in heaven, after all you've done for Mother Earth, don't you think you deserve to be celebrated?
1: Wow. All right. I'm going to say fanfic, although my degree of confidence is very low. Wow. All
0: right. All right. All right. Well, I think, that brother, I'm not certain about this, but this might be, uh, this book might be your, what's the opposite of kryptonite? You're doing, you're doing well, I think. Ambrosia? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number one, uh, this was Edison Achieves His Final Revenge. He's the new emperor of Mars. Hail, hail. Uh, you said fanfic for that. That was fanfic written by Robert. Number two, this was uh, Dyspeptic Malaise, Martian Planetary <laughs> Council, Edison Speaks, R, r-, r-, r- Ghana. You said fanfic. That was fanfic written by Jay. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Number three. This was the uh, Martian shaking his foot and then like decking a woman who falls to his feet like an ox. You said real. That was real. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that to look forward to. Submitted by Craig, that one was. Yeah, so uh, Martians have uh, old-timey gestures for whippersnappers. Yeah. Uh, number four was a Martian fate. Uh, brava, brava. B- Martian ballet sort of entertaining everybody. You said fanfic. That was fanfic submitted by Craig. And okay. number five, this was the one where they, he comes down and is dining with Queen Victoria and Emperor William, and they're inviting him to eat. You said fanfic. Mm-hmm. That was fanfic written by Edmund. Whoa. Five for five, 100%. Oh-ho. I don't get that average up there. That last one, Edmund says, as a writing exercise, I fashioned this week's entry around the iconic phrase... They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me, oh, my God, from Troll 2. Oh, so if yes. you read the first word of every sentence, that is what it spells that out. So, uh, Oh, wow. I didn't. I didn't think that one was as tricky, but I, I thought I, I rewarded the effort of, of going through that trouble, that weird, weird trouble to do that. That's so. fantastic, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well done. Nice. I think last time, didn't I go fine? I think you five? might have. This might be a uh, brother. E- I, yeah. It's either a great effort on you or just an indictment. Of our Patreon supporters who are phoning in their fanfic. but uh, no, I think it's all, <laughs> it's
1: all very good.
0: Uh, but, yeah, we will, we will see. We will see. I guess there's no more for this, uh, for this episode, though. We'll just got to see what happens. Yep. Um, chapter 12. <laughs> this, is the, uh, this begins with essentially, oh, yeah, they've just observed the, the girl playing the harp. And, uh, and Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith declares she is a prisoner, and by the seven devils of Doña Ana will not leave her here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, "Oh, that's an old-timey curse or something." But then I was like, "Oh, we got mm-hmm. I got to look it up to see what he means." Um, yes. Dad, did you look it up?
1: I certainly did, and I think we probably got the same site.
0: <laughs> A blog spot uh wondering why there's no references to these seven devils of Doña Ana outside of uh, Edison's conquest of Mars.
1: That is correct. That made me laugh that, to know that, like, of course Connor's going to look this up <laughs> and he's going to find the same result.
0: You should have left a, a blogspot comment being like, hey, Connor, how's it going? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that for the uh, rest of the jackals who might uh, happen upon that.
1: Uh, yeah, there's no... This person was as puzzled as, as we obviously are came up with a couple possible reasons he might have said this but it's like no nah, i don't think so none <laughs> of them makes any sense <laughs> so he made up the phrase by the seven devils of danya anna we will not leave you here
0: that's pretty good i mean yeah for an old timey curse like for that the uh, aj smith is saying but and then this is amazing i mean this is just you know uh, more Kleinian writing i'm i'm thinking uh, we, he described the room in pretty good detail before, as you recall, but it says our attention had been so absorbed by the sight of the girl that we had scarcely thought of looking to see if there was anyone else <laughs> in the room. <laughs> How you know,
1: do you look at a room without <laughs> seeing the things?
0: How did they come up multiple times? I mean, in this podcast, I mean, the yes. people just like need to look all the way around a room in order to take in the information. It's not just something you naturally perceive. Because he says, And,
1: uh, yeah, turn back. If you're reading the paper, I guess maybe you have to turn back a page. Look at the drawing. Right. It, it is literally impossible, <laughs> that you, at least the way it's depicted here, that you could see her and not see what
0: was in the rest of the room. And like, you know, in uh, This Island Earth, they might look at those guys and, you know, somehow they don't notice that they had those huge foreheads. At least they would see them in the room. You know, yes. <laughs> but it says, glancing beyond her, I now perceived sitting in a richly decorated chair's three or four gigantic Martians <laughs> listening <laughs> oh, to the music as if charmed. Yeah, is that glad I tilted my head slightly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this, then this is great. This is amazing. Uh, the fact that they could find uh, music, the fact that they could find pleasure in music so beautiful was perhaps an indication that they were not really as savage as they seemed. Oh, that's nice. I mean, maybe there is some sort of universal thing that can relate. I'm just going to read the next sentence. Uh, Yet our hearts went out to the girl and were turned against them with an uncontrollable hatred. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, briefly, you briefly thought that, uh, you know, maybe they were not not truly the bad guys. The real savages, as Chad and Dale would say.
1: And, uh, And then what happened, this is so great after the, you know, uh, vaporizing a uh, dog-slash-ox, whatever. Uh, the whirr of the two instruments sounded simultaneously because they, they see them and they spring up like, you know, giants in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Uh, with a quick horizontal motion, we swept the lines of force around in such a manner that all three of the Martians were caught by the vibratory streams and actually cut in two. <laughs> So shooting dogs, cutting Martians in two,
0: (laughs) USA, USA. Yeah, and what did they say? He's like, you know, is that the first Martian that gets cut in two?
1: I think they disintegrate one, but then they realize, oh, there's there's more. They're going to get on us before we can... Fully disintegrate them all, so just cut them in half,
0: yeah, he starts, just says, sweep your disintegrator across all three, which is you know uh, it's so crazy, it just might work, so they just are like a kid playing machine guns being like eh. <laughs> but yeah, they're just standing there like Rambo, uh you know just waving these things back and forth because I guess if they just disintegrated them one at a time, there would still be one that needed to charge again before they could do it.
1: Yes. And then they said this curious thing, long gaps were opened in the wall of the room behind them where the destroyed currents had passed for with wrathful fierceness, we had run the vibrations through half a gamut on the index.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. As so it... they were just spinning the dials yes, and exactly. going like, just
1: just vaporize
0: everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100% they're turning it, the, the blender settings all the way from 1 to 10 as they're as doing this.
1: Oh, so uh, I thought at first, like, oh, is the the room is made of of Martians? Like, oh, they're they're just spinning the dials,
0: <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, and uh, you know the the girl is, is sitting there, pretty much trembling. Like at this point in time, we don't know if these were her, you know, adoptive parents. You know, the, the all the only the only people she's ever known in her life, type of thing. But um, <laughs> they pretty much go up to her and start trying to communicate with her.
1: Oh yes, a, a nice bit of uh, comedy right away. Uh, he immediately began to make the signs to the girl to indicate that he was hungry. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to imagine what that is. But uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, just the you know the way that I, you know I think we've all been guilty of this when you're trying to communicate with someone who doesn't you don't speak a, a lick of their language, but you're trying to just essentially do like party charades to be like I want to. <laughs> Pointing, you know, down your throat. Eat as you rub your stomach.
1: Rub the belly.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, ah, yes, gotcha.
0: Yeah, and uh, you haven't actually asked if I speak English. Like, you know, know, based on the lack of imagination of your author here, there's a really good chance that I do. Uh,
1: I have, uh, before we get further, it immediately came to my mind. um, Abducted by aliens, uh, this woman. Mm -hmm. Do do you you think there was any probing going on? I
0: mean... (laughs) Oh, we've already you know they've they've come around to their rear i mean so <laughs> uh, who knows what kind of knobs i wonder when that stereotype first started that's something that you could probably pinpoint if you were uh, a journalist you know yeah that seems like a like a 70s thing a lot of people started getting abducted and i don't know <laughs> for some being so well known it's uh yeah it had to come from somewhere imagine that being your claim to fame yeah remember you know how everyone thinks that uh martians give you an anal probe i invented that uh weird mark why uh what, what? Yeah. <laughs> um but then uh once she sort of leads him to like a bunch of boxes like a storehouse she takes out a kind of cake yeah and uh breaks off a small portion and motions that we should eat so she does the same thing uh and at the same time showing us that we only ought to take a small quantity thank god it's compressed food said Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> so Whatever the uh, process of compressing food is, is another universal thing that both of our cultures share on Earth and in Mars. You just, you get food and you compress it. So that's how, uh, that's that's something we all know. It's like drying jerky, I guess. But
1: he says, too, this is a thing that they all have to do. And it's like, could we just, we don't have to do this anymore. All of us can stop doing this. I thought these Martians with their wonderful civilization would be up to that. (laughs) Like, yeah. You you don't have to mention that. We just Remember remember that one time when I said that the, the Martians were... I don't I don't think I was there, Tom, but uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Does it matter? Yes.
0: <laughs> right. And it's like maybe they invented it like 80,000 years ago. Like what what do you, you they're they're up to this recent innovation we have? Like you also just cut them in half and left their smoldering uh, piles of dirt in the, this great hall of their great
1: civilization. Unless you also don't know, like, oh, yeah, we compress our fecal matter. It's a a weird thing (laughs) we do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's utter desperation that this is what we're eating. Like, (laughs) that's why we came to your planet. Um. Uh,
1: But, yeah, but they raid the storehouses. And, uh, oh, the fellows we killed must have been the watchmen in charge of the storehouse. (laughs) And they were treating themselves to a little music from the slave girl when we happened to come upon them. Again. So these are just these are just night watchmen
0: <laughs> <laughs> that are sitting in these regal chairs, like sort of yeah. you know, like emperors type of thing. Yeah, yes. but I also that's Garrett P. service who said that, and it just gets no response. You know, they're just like, you know, essentially they're just like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> right. We we've sur- surmised this whole thing, and you know, and again, it says slave girl. It's like I, you know, I was happy yeah. here. Like I, you know, what are you? I don't know. It's, it's a Another lot funny lot of assumption. assumptions, yes. <laughs> but they essentially say, like, we're going to pack all this food up. Uh, we'll take. We're taking the girl. We'll return and sur- um, uh, surprise Edison with this. And he gives us a very funny. Um, not. It's not funny. It's so dull that it's funny. But it says we come back out of the smoke. Um, We are surprised to emerge to find that the sun was shining brilliantly upon us It will be remembered that it was night on the side of mars when we went down But our adventure had occupied several hours and now mars had so far turned upon its axis That the portion of its surface over which we where we had come around into the sunlight so he is Describing how planetary rotation and the uh, the the cycle of day night works for everybody With a full paragraph. (laughs) Thank you, garrett um, also what what was
1: their mission their mission was to go and like distract the oh right uh, right it was to to take them from the rear
0: yeah right <laughs> but i guess they were just so happy they found the compressed food that they realized it could they could you know make that their unsaid plan of a uh, part of uh alonzo jefferson smith's plan since so he had no plan once they got there he was just sort of wing it now that they found this food that can that can have been the plan all along
1: that's what he meant all along yeah because i uh, i assume they would return and go like okay so did you wipe out the uh, martians on that side of the planet and now we can kind of hunker down there and uh. <laughs> but it's very funny how they they do deliver this this news and they're like no 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 we got something way better than that
0: <laughs> compressed wheat matter <laughs> um yeah he well, he essentially says that like you know do you take them all out he's like uh, we've done something just as good. We have foraged on the country and collected a supply I reckon will last this fleet for at least a month. And he pulls out the one of the square cakes and another old timey ism. Set your teeth in that and see what you think of it. But don't take too much for it's powerful strong. Wrap yourself
1: around a morsel of that, my friend. <laughs> uh, they they also make the, here's a little hand wave. Before our arrival at Mars, there had been considerable discussion among learned men as to the advisability of touching at one of their moons. And when the discovery was made that our provisions were nearly exhausted, it had been suggested that the Martian satellites might furnish us with an additional supply.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So were they going to e- eat, like, moon lettuce or something? Like, what, what was your plan? Can
0: we eat the moon jewels, moon jewels guy? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, a, that was a hilarious thing. Like, I guess, you know, that's, you know, the Donner Party boiling their shoe level to extract gelatin from it, you know, in the most desperate of attempts to survive. Like, well, I guess with our last surviving ounce of strength we can go to the moon and see if there's some sort of, you know, edible dust there we can survive on. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe they, they shoot their old banana peels onto those moons and we can, like, scrape it off with a ruler and eat that or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> but they sort of say, like, uh, he describes the moon in great, you know, more scientific detail, how far apart they are from each other. But then they sort of say, like, eh, probably not worth going there. They probably don't have any food there. But that, and they decided that <laughs> before they got this food. But then they do this, and this was sort of where I had the the grim realization of, like, they they didn't bring any women along on this journey, did they? And now he says, we've got enough of that compressed food stuff to last us all for a month, but we've done more than that. We've got a surprise for you that'll make you open your eyes. Just, w- <laughs> just wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. These guys have been at sea for quite some time.
1: Yeah, this gets... Uh, uh, this gets... <laughs> something i don't know what i want to save the word i was going to spoil a word that they in fact use okay. uh but uh every motion of this girl convinced me that she not only recognized us as members of her own race but that she felt that her only hope lay in our aid therefore strange as we were to her in many respects nevertheless she did not think that she was in danger well among us a <laughs> bunch of strange smelly guys who kidnapped her and yeah. forced her onto their ship After disintegrating the, you know, possibly her cousins. Who
0: knows? (laughs) Right. And now these guys are essentially like, you know, hooting like, uh, you know, the soldiers on shore leave at the start of Apocalypse Now. Just being like, woo ha
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, wow. I just feel safe as in my mother's arms. Thank you.
0: You've taken me away from the harp that provided my my only joy in life and uh, got me on board with Sylvanus P. Thompson. Thank you very much. But it says that she, uh, you know, everyone's like, how did she get here? Uh, she, bur- she, does, she does burst into tears. So that's, yes. that's nice. And uh, But then uh, univ- a professor of languages from the University of Heidelberg was listening to her with at- intense attention. So it's another good thing that there, w- there was a smoke professor earlier. We just, mm-hmm. we just toss out. There's always professors um, as soon as we need them. It's glad that he wasn't one of the 600 killed earlier.
1: Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll keep lucking out on that. But uh, I was going to give you the uh, the sonic challenge Oh, here.
0: dear. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: with arms outstretched in the same appealing manner, which had so stirred our sympathies when we first saw her in the House of the Martians, <laughs> she broke forth in a wild recitation, which was half a song and half a wail.
0: Okay, great. Let me just consult my album. Uh, Jodie Foster As Nell Sings Bjork. Um <laughs> Yoko? Yeah, the old Yoko you? dolphin song. That's uh I don't know. I wasn't prepared for that one. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's what they did and that's where the uh professor of the University of Heidelberg was listening going like, "Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh oh uh, yeah, that <laughs> I, I, I I I try to understand this as, "Where's my harp?"
1: <laughs> uh he was becoming more excited as the words poured from her lips. Occasionally he nodded and muttered smiling to himself. Her song finished, the girl sank half exhausted upon the floor.
0: <laughs> what kind of was it a, uh, you know, was it like I would do anything for love but I won't do that. It was 13 minutes long and so she <laughs> That's what I wondered. <laughs> takes a breather at the end like
1: because during the whole time he's he's nodding and smile he had I think it's a long I think it's a long
0: song. Yeah. All right, cool.
1: <laughs> Someone left a cake out in the rain level of, yeah. Uh, yeah James, James
0: Brown's assistants come and, uh, you know, get her up. But she it's a fake out. She comes back on and throws the cake back down.
1: Uh, yeah. It's true, though. She was lifted and
0: placed in a reclining position <laughs> at the side of the car. <laughs> well, the professor uh, has some, uh, you know, I guess it would say it's good news and bad news here. He says, our sister, I have her tongue recognized. The language that she speaks, oh, good, he's recognized the tongue. The language she speaks, the root of the great Indo-European or Aryan stock can tell. Ta- oh, come on! Oh boy,
1: <laughs> says the German. <laughs> uh.
0: This is where we got a uh, long email. I told you the, uh, the the guy who has been in my house, Jackson, the uh, professor, the, ling- the he, We do have a. This is convenience. I'm trotting out our own linguistic professor um, to 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 analyze this. Wrote it. Oh, long- good. He wasn't killed. Okay. No, yes. He, was, uh, he 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 wrote out a long email about. Um, this guy's theory, because he essentially says, convinced I am that this great original speech is from where we have all the languages of the civilized world sprung. <laughs> so my note was, what the hell are you talking about, sir? But this is real. Like, this is something that linguists, you know, talk about is that, like, you, you keep going back and finding these common roots. I think I will post it to Patreon, because that was actually pretty interesting. Um, it, but it's just, it, it, again, like I said, it's very long. And so I don't want to read it to you and have you just sort of um, have to interpret it on the fly. But... This is something that, like, is an actual theory that this guy's talking about. Uh, these and and Aryan stock um, means obviously something different uh, <laughs> in the context yes. of this. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like going back to I think like you know India or something like that. Like, um, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll post that to Patreon and people can peruse it.
1: But so, this is a theory that there's a common root of all languages. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah.
0: something that has persisted, um, and so this—that's what that guy is talking about. So it's just more—it's more, um, it's, it, it's more garipy service, um, getting out ahead of the um, actually, guys.
1: Yes, and she—and uh, by the way, the uh, uh, Heidelberg University of Heidelberg. Do we get his name? I don't I think so. Remember. I don't know. Okay, professor of the University of Heidelberg, uh, full cats and jammer kid for him. <laughs> All of his sentences. Uh, one of them is, uh, "It shall we do?" cried the Heidelberg professor, more <laughs> confidently. So yeah, but he all he's reversing his. You know, he's using the the German syntax and all of his stuff.
0: Oh, which, is that where that where Yoda speak comes from? Yes, oh. yes, I think so. Wow. Um, but it then says uh, the uh, <laughs> this is the uh, amazing part, and this is. So, you know, they've got these theories. They're trying to find the root of this language in hopes that we'll be able to communicate with her. And then it just goes back into, remember, remember this guy? Uh, the reader will remember that the Martian who we made prisoner on the asteroid, <laughs> that guy, might have been used to us in a similar way. And for that reason, great efforts have been made to acquire his language, and considerable progress had been effected in that direction. But from the moment of our arrival on Mars itself... And especially after the battles began, the prisoner had resumed his savage and uncommunicative disposition. You don't say. <laughs> um, it says, uh, and then it says, this is another theory that Gary P. Service had was that this guy was robbing, you know, he was like betraying his other Martians to go and rob this gold from the thing. Yes. It says, how an outlaw such as he evidently was could expect to escape punishment on returning to his native planet was difficult to see. In fact, in consequence of his surly manner, And his attempts to escape, he had been more strictly bound than before. And to get him out of the way had been removed from the flagship, which was already overcrowded, and placed in one of the other electric ships. And this ship, says it happened, was one of those who were lost in the great battle beneath the clouds. So after all, the Martian had perished by a vengeful stroke launched from his native globe. (laughs) He he literally died returning back to his home planet. Like uh, like Poochie on The Simpsons, <laughs> <laughs> so they just I I I completely missed that the first time I read it. I got to the back, I was like, wait, what did he say? It's like, oh, he just offloaded him onto one of the ships and got annihilated, and we're never going to hear from him again. That's incredible storytelling.
1: I uh, I confess I never caught that. <laughs> I don't know what I was. Uh, you know, you're looking for notes and looking for things. I just missed it, and uh, I I like the fact that since it's all happening off camera. Um, I liked the jovial version of him telling about his you know, favorite places to get a uh, Martian cheesesteak or whatever. <laughs> but then uh, as they kill him off, they're like, eh, he turned back into a savage again. <laughs> <laughs> so we tied him up even stronger and you know, shocked his nads even with more <laughs> emphasis. And then he got blown up and died.
2: <laughs> yeah. like,
1: yeah, you could have fancied any, anything you wanted to do with that guy. And uh, you turned back into a savage and made it an awful death. Right.
0: USA. USA. <laughs> but I was mostly intrigued by his attempts to escape because that was, again, like something that would have been very entertaining to read about. Because, like, wh- where, where, where are you going, man? Like, uh, you're going to just, uh, you know, you can't really step outside the spaceship and just, you know, do the breaststroke away to the nearest, uh, you know, stick out your uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy electric thumb and hope the Vogons pick you up. But I looked into this because you would have to imagine that with so much left off camera here, the Martian dying, his cheesesteak recommendations, his attempts to escape, fertile ground for the reenactors on the dark web here to have have picked up on. And they've been pretty quiet on this book so far. I think it was because they have done so much uh, reconstructing and theorizing of these attempts to escape that they've neglected the previous uh, half of the book.
1: Oh, that's true. Every time we would look, it would be like, hey, uh, uh, be back soon, you know, Mm -hmm. like a a sign on a store, like back at this with the clock saying that. And we were like, dark web? Yeah. It just shuts down for a couple months? <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yes.
0: But yeah, they, no, they, they have been very busy here. And the, the, the one that I picked, I mean, I just it, you could take your pick of these. Just great reenactions, amazing theories. Uh, the one I picked was um, these guys who were sort of like, oh, it's a Martian prisoner. Like, what if the Martian was attempting to escape from Shawshank prison? Oh, sure. Yeah, they, they thought that it, it, it might go a little something like this. <laughs> so, again, this is the, the Martian prisoner um, talking to Thomas Edison to try to get him to escape from Shawshank Prison. There's a man like me on every
1: ship of space in our fleet, I guess. I'm the guy who can get it for you. Cigarettes, a bag of reefer if you're partial, compressed food, nude crow... Damn near anything, within reason. Hey buddy, got that bottle of Jimmy Beam I asked for? Yes sir, I'm a regular Sears and Roebuck. So when the Martian prisoner came to me and asked me to smuggle Rita Hayworth onto the ship for him, I told him...
0: Who the hell is Rita Hayworth? Ah, of course. The day-night cycles on your primitive planet lag behind our advanced war planet. You won't know her for two score more Earth years. No matter, I shall take a pin-up poster of your most attractive starlet of 1898. Well, that's
1: going to be Irma Dinkroff. But I've got to warn you, do not let the other men on board see this. Saw how they looked at the first girl they saw in months. If they get a glimpse of Irma posing on this poster, there may be an all-out riot.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure I'll want to keep her all to myself, yes. Here you go. Well, let's see this.
1: Is this some kind of joke? It ain't fair, right? God went heavy on the poom when he was making her.
0: The hottest woman on your planet is 82 years old? What? Irma just turned 23.
1: Yeah, this is the the year the good girl went bad. She never would have shown so much skin a year ago. Skin? Where? Oh, here. Use this magnifying device I invented. Only person I've told about it is that idiot service.
0: Okay, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Where where, where where, am I looking? No, d- down here, her ankle. Mm, I see. Yes, the garment does appear to end a few earth centimeters above her army boot. Red, hot, ankle action. Why does she not smile? She, she looks like she's been cursed. Did a witch imprison her inside this poster? Well, it is uh,
1: 1898. She's probably worried about, well, everything. You could die just trying to obtain bread.
0: And explain the hair. It looks like she's been wearing a hat her entire life, but somehow cutting her own hair without taking it off.
1: I'll let you in on a secret. Underneath that gown she's wearing? Mm-hmm, the, the one that looks like a potato sack? Uh, they say that she crocheted the underwear she's wearing herself. Oh, yeah.
0: But does exercise not exist on your planet, or is that cigarette she's smoking sufficient exercise? Why exercise
1: when you can just roll out of bed and resemble First Lady Helen Heron Taft? She woke up like this. Look at Irma there, laid out across the hood of that Model T that
0: vulcanized
1: those tires.
0: And who is the man observing her on the side of the poster? He, he appears to be pointing to his pocket watch.
1: Probably just any given man around town reminding her that unaccompanied women are not permitted in public after 4 p.m.
0: And she is a woman, you say?
1: Look, if you don't want this poster, I know for a fact that Sylvanus P. Thompson will work out some quadratic equations of his own with it.
0: Okay, look, look. Maybe I'll just take a poster of the hottest guy from 1898. Really? Really? What the hell are you basing any assumptions about my sexuality on? I could reproduce via spores, for all you know. Okay, okay. Sorry. Here here you go. Let's see here. Oh, ha ha. Very funny, Edison. I asked for a poster of the hottest guy in 1898, and you give me a picture of you. <laughs>
1: yeah, you got me. Oh, wait a second. No, that's also Irma Dinkroff.
0: Wow. Not her best angle. Yeah, but still those ankles boom okay you know what i'm releasing my spores now wow
1: well fantastic. it's good to have them back
0: it is it's uh, they're just a creative bunch i would say um they go in unexpected ways like that one really you know the shawshank was a sort of a thin introduction to essentially like a I wouldn't say a one note joke, but it, it, it focused a lot more on that on old timey looks than it did on Shawshank prison. So I guess I was kind of misled by the description, but you right. get, you get far enough into it and you're like, I'm not going to, I've already downloaded this. The dark web credits you have to use to download. Those are kind of expensive. So, Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: I mean, it is, look, we got to admit it's a lot cheaper than using the uh, 372 players.
0: Uh, yeah. Tell me about it. We're, uh, Speaking of, we're,
1: de- we're destitute.
0: It's yeah, yeah. We yeah, the, the bills come to my house. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. We, Keep paying them. We, you want to talk about that on air or? We'll uh, put a pin in it. Okay, I mean, circle back if there is a bagging that you hear in the background. That is a that is a collection agency, not, and it won't be the first time today. Sure, those guys have yeah. They're 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 ruthless. First,
1: I'll I'll edit out the beating, the savage beating okay. you received. Right, yeah. All I right.
0: hope they don't swell my jaw too much. Was, <laughs> okay. Whew. Well, what else? As the uh, we get that but more of the Heidelberg professor with his crazy theory, um, they are saying that they're going to learn to talk to her, and um, uh, Edison essentially gives them two weeks <laughs> to to try and.
1: Yeah, this is what I didn't understand. They they already spoke the Martian language. I mean, fairly well, right?
0: Uh, yes, but then they say something like. Uh, that this this disgusting tongue of the savage would never soil her beautiful lips, or something like that. That might be in the yeah. next chapter.
1: Yeah, that's the next chapter. But they, I, I had been under the assumption that they already spoke this language, but then they're like, she probably speaks both, if she'd been there a while, which is their assumption, since she's speaking, you know, such an old tongue mm-hmm. from Earth. So that, that was funny when, when they went and kidnapped people from her.
0: <laughs> they did it a long time ago, yeah.
1: But a long time ago, and then they, they kept all their slaves in one area where they were able to keep their own language and everything, <laughs> right. was nice.
0: Yeah, it says they just essentially want to be able to pick her brain because it says there was every reason to believe, uh, you know, so an assumption. She was familiar with the ways and secrets of the Martians that she might be able to direct our efforts in such a manner as to render them effective.
1: Yeah, it, it just got me thinking. The whole learning languages very quickly thing. Uh, I, I've been working on my French for a couple years uh-huh. now, and I'll watch, uh, you know, a movie or something with the sections of French in it, and go, "Yeah, I don't know. I'm not there yet." <laughs> well, two weeks. <laughs> when, someone's, when someone's speaking slowly, and uh, you know, in some, a subject of which I'm slightly familiar, I can catch most of it. But uh, yeah, they're learning. This and uh, the ancient tongue of man in a couple weeks.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, maybe uh, maybe Duolingo offers that as one of its uh, you know bonus packs you have to shell yes. out for. <laughs> but uh, they decide the place to do this is to rendezvous on one of the moons, um, because that'll be better than just hovering in space, I guess. I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe they still think that there's some crops going there we can harvest and then compress.
1: Yes, and they also think that at some point, uh, which turns out to be true, the Martians are going to... Uh, come out of their um, cuttlefish cloud and peek around and stuff. So they have to be very careful. So they go to uh, the moon, which always presents a dark face, to Mars. And they hide on the other side of it. And it struck me as very funny. They hide on it as though it is a boulder in an Old West thing, and there's a shootout down in the canyon, and they peek around behind the moon every now and then.
0: It's incredible
1: <laughs> to see what the Martians are doing, and they and they issue strict orders like, "Don't uh, when you're going out for your you know morning constitution or whatever, don't uh, don't hang it out over the side of the moon there because they can see you."
0: <laughs> they essentially do the uh, Kilroy was here guy peeking over the wall.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's very funny. They say, I mean, what does it say? They they land on there. He he goes on again about how much they're going to weigh when they get here, which I cannot emphasize enough how how uninteresting that is to the readers here. But he says strict orders were given not only that ships should be moored on that side of the satellite, which is perpetually turned away from Mars, but that without orders, no one should venture around on the other side of the little globe or even on the edge of it where he might be seen in profile against the sky. And that, but it says, still, of course, it was essential that we, on our part, should keep a close, close watch. And so a number of Sentinels were selected, whose duty it was to place themselves at the edge of Deimos, where they could peep over the horizon, so to speak, <laughs> and catch sight of the globe of our enemies. So it really is, it's like a, a moon prop in a high school play, where you can just look around one side of it. Yes. I don't I know, think. they should have, you know, cartoon periscopes that go up and look around over it, like a Dr. Seuss uh, design. Right. <laughs>
1: Uh, but so so they're more there, so now they have time to learn the language. And this is, uh, this is a sentence we get from the fact that this time it was not a monster belonging to an utterly alien race upon whom we were to experiment, but a beautiful daughter of our common mother, Eve, added zest and interest as well as the most confident hopes of success to the efforts of those who were striving to understand the accents of her tongue oh
0: yeah the accents of her tongue Uh, a little zest and interest (laughs) in that. it's amazing so they've just got this girl i mean you know who knows if we're poking and prodding her you know like what's the word for this like you know please no (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, they also haven't made it clear like how old this woman is either. Like they keep calling her the "bring out the girls." But uh, you know, so you know, all, all this uh, implied horniness we're doing is uh, it, it's all on him. That we, we, if it turns out she's not of a age where this is appropriate, that's Garrett P. Services' fault, yes. not ours.
1: <laughs> and uh, he says explicitly that they 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 wake her up. She's you know always tired because they're, you know, so much work. Yeah. And this is what happens, the this the Heidelberg guy. Uh, he places placed himself in front of the girl and gestured and gesticulated, bowed, nodded, shrugged his shoulders, screwed his face into an infant variety of expressions, smiled, laughed, scowled, and accompanied all these dumb shows with posturings, exclamations, queries... Only half expressed in words and cadences, which by some ingenious manipulation of the tones of the voice he managed to make as marvelous expressions of his desires. He was a universal actor, comedian, tragedian, <laughs> buffoon, all in one. There was no shade of human emotion which he did not seem capable of giving expression to. <laughs> this poor girl, my <laughs> God! This sounds yeah. like like Robin Williams will not
0: shut up. I, like yeah, I thought Charlie oh Calis. God. Like- yeah, it's orp, worse orp. Than, <coughs> worse than blaring in the, uh, you know, Slayer at 1 a.m. to your prisoners <laughs> to wake them up. Uh, and there was another one, like, remember that uh, Human Giant sketch where uh, there's the two viral videos, like the guy that cuts off his yes. dick. And then he, the Aziz Ansari part of that is based on, like, an early YouTube viral video, which was, like, noises and faces I can make. And, like, that sounds like that's what he's doing in this one. A guy exactly. just being like... <coughs>
1: And then uh, occasionally she burst into a cheery laugh when the professor was executing some of his extraordinary gyrations before (laughs) her. Oh,
0: I didn't miss the gyrations. Stop. That. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he's doing some. Uh, some he's doing some twerking because it says the other the other guys are worming their way around the planet, so they're doing the worm to get themselves over to the side where they can look at. And this guy's uh, he's doing the uh, the funky chicken or something.
1: Hopefully, he wasn't doing the helicopter dance in front of her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yeah but it seems like it is like just like she she falls asleep exhausted and then the moment her eyes opened again the merciless professors flocked about her once more and just start doing this uh
1: <laughs> oh god please give me some water and a,
0: a little <laughs> bite of compressed food
1: before you start again
0: uh but it's so they he starts revealing he's made some progress right like and he gives her this list of. He said he's German again, so he's saying, Jawal Wunderlich, make yourselves gentlemen easy. Of the human race, the ancestral stem have I here discovered. And he, so Garrett P. looks at the uh, page of his notebook and reads this Mars, Zamor. So it's like the word in the translations. Copper, Hayez, sword, Ons. I jump, Altisna, I slay, hmm, Amutha. I cut off a head, Suitsakoffa. So that's. that. That's one of the first five things that you have uh, learned from this girl. Like, what has she been up to when she's not playing the harp? Yes. Good God. I sleep and then I love Lesva. Yes. Um, and then it, it gets into this. Like, and again, this is probably old timey talk, but <laughs> yes. the, uh, the, the, the subchapter is, aha, Professor Heidelberg. And it says, when I saw this last entry, I looked suspiciously at the professor. Was he trying to make love without our knowing it to the beautiful captor from Mars? <laughs> if so, uh, so th- th- right? I mean, that, that might not be old-timey talk.
1: I, I don't know. What I, else could I, it mean? I, you know, just... I assumed it meant wooing. But, yeah, sure, yeah.
0: I guess so. But then it says, uh, if so, I felt certain he would get himself into difficulty. It's like, all right, good. Fine, you know, because there are obviously massive ethical concerns about taking this Woman, you know, as a prisoner, she's clearly, you know, you, you believe she's been a slave, she's been abused. We've got, you know, Bleriana concerns here, like from the mm-hmm. mister, the, you know, all those things that the mister kind of like hand waved away. Uh, but nope, that's not why he's concerned. She had made a deep impression among every man in the flagship, and I knew there would be more than one of the younger men who would have promptly called into account if they had suspected him of trying to learn from those beautiful lips the words I love. So it's not because of any ethics, it's because everyone else would be jealousy because they want in too, baby.
1: Yeah, among them Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith and a young fellow in the flagship, Sidney Phillips. Yes. So he had become exceedingly devoted to this long lost and happy How how? Right. When? <laughs> She's getting like woken up with you know a bucket of cold water in the face every morning. <laughs> it is time. You will listen. <laughs> him jumping up and down going ooh, ah ooh ah ooh ah. <laughs>
0: Sydney Phillips? Did you look up?
1: I I did, I did look up Sydney Phillips.
0: He's also not a real guy, right? At least not Sydney, a real guy. There are real Sidney Phillips, but all past this time. And that's the name of the uh the bully who treats the toys badly in Toy Story. So, ah, yeah. Uh,
1: I found only a uh famous uh like Marine mm. doctor or something who was
0: much celebrated, but she, I didn't look into it. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think it was this one. Funny. Yeah. Um, and then this is, you know, this is, hopefully this is not something they're going to be imparting upon our girl they learned here. But it says, uh, I had already questioned within my own mind whether the peace would be strictly kept between Colonel Smith and Mr. Phillips. For the former had, to my knowledge, noticed the young fellow's ador- adoring glances. <laughs> and had begun to regard him out of the corners of his eyes as if he considered him no better than an Apache or a Mexican greaser. <laughs> Garrett P. Come on now, like, you're uniting. You just united all the world in this uh, in this conquest of Mars. Like, there's, but uh, I guess we still can. Once we're done with these Mars, we'll we'll turn our looking down upon our fellow man as well. Then, apparently,
1: there are still some races that don't get to join the universal. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> brotherhood of defeating mars right yeah, yeah i just uh, that's the one I, I think that ends it right or oh that's my last comment sorry no. but it. Uh, but yeah because the put, last thing oh, is
0: is uh, yeah jealousy jealousy crops out um and uh, they are um oh yeah this was the the question was whether the language the professor was acquiring was really the girl's own tongue or one she learned from the martians and that's when the professor says hey settle down he assured us in the first place that this girl Could not be the only human living upon Mars, but said she must have friends or relatives there. No real way of knowing what that is. I guess it's if it is an old language, you know, of of thousands of years ago, that it's a, uh, you know, she she would not be old enough to have learned it. So that's why they have to be there. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's when uh, Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith expressed what was in all of our minds when after listening to the reasoning of the professor, he blurted out, thank God she doesn't speak any of their blamed lingo. By Jove, it would soil her pretty lips. (laughs) So again, like settle the hell down. Uh, But, you know, she probably did speak some of the Martian language because they weren't just going to be like pointing at the harp and grunting in order to get her to play it or sing it, I guess. I don't know. That's where it ends with a tedious language lesson. So we've got that to look forward to next time.
1: Tedious. (laughs) So yeah, so she would stop the harp, you know, to sort of ask them, like, hey, do you want to hear this piece by Johann Sebastian Glublock? <laughs> um, and, uh, and she would ask them by going, rrr, rrr, rrr. and they would go, yeah. and then she would go back to her
0: harp ding, and gently play the tunes. <laughs> And the Martians are like, oh, yeah, listen to how our language soils are pretty lips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, all right. Well, that takes us to the final quarter of uh, Edison's Conquest of Mars.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited that I uh, get to end on a. I don't have the tension of having to do
0: another uh, real or fanfic. I know, really, you going out on top. Yeah, but a lot, nice. a lot to look forward to. Is the? I mean, who's gonna, who's gonna shack up with this pretty, uh, pretty young girl? Are they you know? How are they gonna conquer Mars? What is the? Uh, when you know who is the Martian? They, they evidently leave him behind, shaking his fist at people. But uh, I mean, are they going to bring this girl back to the Earth? Does the compressed food hold out? Lots of questions. My money's on Sydney Phillips and the
1: girl. Oh, wow! Yeah. Being um, being married by the captain of the ship, Mister Edison. <laughs>
0: that would be nice. <laughs> on the way back to Earth. <laughs> wow, that would have been a great fanfic. Yeah, well,
1: that's my guess.
0: All right, let's. Uh, I think we got uh, time for an email or two. Let's do it. we ain't going to the party. we ain't going to the game. we ain't going to the disco. Ain't gonna cruise out, man. We're sailing people. All right. This is the uh, first one is from Colette, who says, I'm sure you've been inundated with emails on this topic. The, uh, the topic is the comet song. Was this in the episode or was this in the bonus? Oh, I, I said it was in the episode because we talked about comets. I felt yeah. like this was such importance that I could be risk being redundant. Surely you must be familiar with the beloved, perhaps only by me point variant. Hitler has only got one ball. Oh yes,
1: <laughs> I had forgotten that
0: one. <laughs> Thank you. I I you know, it sounds familiar to me too. I uh I, but uh, someone else wrote in to say that that the one that I was singing, I only knew because of the Simpsons, which of course is the case with a lot of things, but um, um
1: wasn't a uh, point of accuracy though. Wasn't Hitler rumored to be poly orchid? That is three balls. Wow. Well, I, do. no, I don't know. Somebody, Somebody get on that. <laughs> I'm not going to.
0: Do Someone that. Google that at work and let us know how much longer yes. you stay employed. Uh, Andrew wrote in the next one. He says, I wanted to let you know how much I'm enjoying your podcast on Edison's Conquest of Mars. This is one of the few books you've covered that I've already read. I'd like to Whoa. know what the other ones are, though. I'm- H.G. Wells, The War of the Worlds has been one of my favorite novels since I was a kid. I first heard about Edison's Conquest when I was writing a term paper on Wells' novel when I was a high school senior. I finally managed to track down a copy of it in the Library of Congress in 1992 when I had a summer internship in Washington, D.C. That's putting that uh, insider access to to real good use, I would say. (laughs) You could probably imagine how disappointed I was to find out it was a badly written sequel to a ripoff of Wells' novel rather than just a mediocre sequel to the original work. Oh, well, at least it was a relatively quick read uh it'd be great if anyone else has library of congress access see if that was the uh last time this is one has ever been checked out that'd be pretty fascinating
1: I, it, would, it would be funny if he was like uh you know the foremost expert on the steam man of the prairie but I <laughs> never had heard of this <laughs> other book that is so I was excited to learn of it yeah
0: yeah if we got any high schoolers out there uh write your report you know there's been enough books written about Huck Finn Tale of Two Cities write a write a book report on Steam Man of the Prairies and, and let us know <laughs> how that grade goes <laughs> uh this one is from Ted Uh, I was at my oncologist's office yesterday, and when the appointment was over, I was directed to one of the scheduling offices. This was the first time in this particular person's office, and she had a sign on her desk that read, Have you heard the joke about the pizza? I can't tell you, though. It's too cheesy. I felt this was deserving of a settle down, but I didn't feel like I had the authority. I was wondering if I could be granted jurisdiction to issue settle downs, firm settle downs, and full and firm settle downs in appropriate situations. I swear I won't abuse this authority.
1: Uh, you want to deputize it's up to you.
0: I think I have got to do it. I would where you caution with uh you know hopefully your your oncology is treating you well and a full recovery will be um on the horizon but I give you full authority to issue the firm settle downs two p- jokes that are that bad especially in a setting where I mean you know you want to have I don't know you don't want you don't want your secretary here to be um oh the I guess it doesn't the secretary this is the doctor Ooh. You, you want to lighten the mood here, but like, you you also want to to be have a bit more authority, you know, in the people that are treating this serious condition. So, yeah, a
1: little, a little bit of gravitas, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, uh, issuing your oncologist a firm settle down may not uh, they, they may write down you know difficult on your on your on your hospital <laughs> sheets, and uh, right. you want to make sure you're getting the the real the real deal medicine here, Ted. So I give you the authority, but it's going to be your decision whether you want to uh, settle down your doctor's puns here <laughs> yes
1: with great power yes. comes great responsibility
0: um and all right and then the other email is jackson's uh tome about uh, the original um thing but he does say that uh it uh, what, what is it the the Aryanness is uh yeah, ha- has a better explanation it got applied to the ancestor language in the decades before the 40s because that term is used for one of the earliest languages known in the tree sanskrit um so you can rest easy when you see the uh, the Aryan language uh, talking about this one,
1: yeah, I mean the the man with either one or three balls, <laughs> TB, TBD is. Uh... Uh, he, he incorporated that You know He, he made, made up a mythology Sure yeah, To, to sell that
0: Alright So yeah We'll we'll post that one uh, as well For people to uh, check out Because it was actually Kind of interesting uh, Let's do our Dumb Sentences of the Week To wrap this thing up A sentence begins With a capital letter A capital letter Is a letter that's big A capital letter Is not a small letter A capital letter Is big, big, big A sentence ends Alright Dumb period. Sentences Again A lot of these are from Our Patreon supporters Please check it out uh, i don't even know what the number's at now but we're like within like 10 of you having to watch forrest gump something like that mm, look <laughs> forward to it <laughs> uh where are you yeah 12 away so man i mean you know you just, just just hit the thousand mark and then we'll do it it will be fun um here's the first sentence patreon.com says 372 pages to relentlessly flog it <laughs> uh, uh, todd submitted uh, well the hullabaloo and taking them in the rear uh edmund submitted a beautiful girl and he says, that's the whole sentence. This compliment is slightly undercut by the fact that the red metal is also described as beautiful in the line immediately before this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay submitted, we had poked the hornet's nest with a vengeance in a bad way. This makes it sound like it was written by a 14-year-old today, not a 70-year-old over a century ago. It does sort of sound like a Pruane 2 kind of line. <laughs> <laughs> with a vengeance! Um, Andrew submitted uh, X-ray business. Stop all your X-ray business. (laughs) Oh, there it is. (laughs) Uh, This is from Mike. Uh, It says, Almost in an instant, it seemed, a swarm of airships surrounded us. While from what, for a lack of a more descriptive name, I shall call the forts about the Lake of the Sun, leaped tongues of electric fire, before which some of our ships were driven down like bits of flaming paper in a high wind, gleaming for a moment, then curling up and gone forever. So that is all one sentence. But Mike just calls attention to almost in an instant it seemed (laughs) he said so we're talking about a period of time that is almost an instant but it's far enough from being an instant so that you feel the need to make the distinction does that mean it's something too short or too long to be an instant also it seemed to be almost an instant does that mean it actually shorter than shorter than an instant or is it it's longer than longer or is it longer than shorter than an instant or is it in fact an actual instant despite seeming to be damn it just say instantly
1: I would like to appeal to the listeners as to that is perhaps why I missed the fact that the Martian <laughs> uh, was trying to escape and so got tied up and then blown up in a ship. Because it's, uh, you know, all the
0: language is couched so heavily that it's like, what is he actually saying? Yeah, that one I think has, uh, I might have a dozen commas in that one sentence. So, uh, Which Oof. some of the fanfics I thought did a good job of replicating, so... Uh, This one's from Hayden. This is the Heidelberg professor. But it shall be penetrated and it is from her own lips that we shall the truth that we the truth shall learn because not difficult to us shall it be the language that she speaks to acquire since to our own it is akin. And he said said Yoda having a stroke. Um, (laughs) uh, This is a Harris submitted. Mr. Edison himself was never tired of saying anything in reference to this matter. And he did fortunately did not include the whole sentence because it is followed by a two paragraph hundred plus word diatribe, um, Good which Lord. Edison was never tired of saying. I guess. Which is <laughs> what was the other thing the guy said? It's like I always said: Mars is red because the trees are red and the soil is red. So right. Oh, and that's the next sentence submitted by Justin and Heather: The trees are big for the same reason the men are, because the planet is small and they can go big without becoming too heavy to stand. And then Mandy submitted: Mars is red because the soil and veg- vegetation are red. And she said that was stated by the enthusiast, who she's going to assume is the Moon Jewels guy.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 Moon Jewels.
0: This was uh, Curtis. He says, I thought it singular, I said, that with the exception of the girl whom we have rescued, no women were seen in the house. He says, there were only four Martians in the house. Why would it be strange that all of them would be men? And can they even tell the difference between male and female Martians at this point? Which are very good points, which the Dark Web skit also touched on. But yeah, they—the only obvious thing—I mean, one—they're making some big assumptions, you know, about Martian physiology again. But the only thing that they we know about them that indicates one way or another is the Martians are wearing skirts, like we've seen that. And oh so right, like, look at these men wearing skirts, as opposed to the other way you could possibly uh, interpret that. Right. Um. Let's see. Oh yeah. Uh, Mike submitted when we first were suspended above Hellas looking toward the north the northeast and the northwest we had seen at a distance some of these great red regions and had perceived the curious network of canals by which they were intersected he said the existence of prefer- peripheral vision is fairly common knowledge so saying they looked north would have been sufficient <laughs> <laughs> but as we saw in the uh, room with the girl in the harp that doesn't necessarily exist no uh, Jeffrey submitted it's the lake of the sun shouted the astronomer who furnished the calculation by means of which its position had been discovered. And he said, let's try rewriting that sentence. It's the lake of the sun, shouted the astronomer. Uh, Claire submitted, that's all right, exclaimed the enthusiast. I have just quoted. So your favorite sentence in the whole thing. Um, uh, What do we have? Uh, That one's two sentences. Uh, Janelle submitted, and after that, uh, sorry, after that, we shall have to forage on the country then. And she just was amazed that they were thinking like, sure, we'll just be able to go down there and forage. There'll be edible things on Mars that, you know, humans will be able to digest and not kill right. us as we've touched on. Uh, George submitted the might be mistaken for high flying birds sentence. <laughs> um, and then, uh, oh, Harrison submitted the uh, half song, half whale um, performance that I reenacted and he, oh, his comment said they rescued Yoko Ono. And also I want to hear Mike do this as a sonic challenge. Oh, Uh, I posted that in too early to remember that. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, I had one that we did not touch on, which was, uh, we ought, of course, this is after they, uh, they um, get attacked by the Martians. We ought, of course, to have been a little more cautious in approaching the place where they first caught sight of us. Since we might've known they would remain on the watch near that spot. So that's just the, uh, I don't know if that's uh, Alonzo Jefferson Smith with that military tactic there of they might <laughs> yeah. they might expect to see us again where they saw us before, but uh, a, a, something fairly major they overlooked in their planning there. Right. Anything for you? Uh, mine
1: were all taken, okay. and I had loaded up, of course, exclaimed the enthusiast <laughs> I have just quoted.
0: <laughs> that's a uh, robot pimp. Uh, said the robot pimp disdainly. Oh, it's they so modified. good. Yeah cool all right well let's finish the damn book
1: all right finish it up thanks everyone thank you we'll be back with more uh sir garrett p service
0: oh and i vowed i, I vowed that i would do a services selling song so that's i gotta make it happen
1: sweet all <laughs> right so long everyone
0: bye